You, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode 219 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And you are listening to us talk. <laughs> You're welcome. Hey. Uh, <laughs> uh Welcome back to the show, guys. Uh, here, here we go. Here we go. 219. 219. That's a lot of episodes. That's so many. Who would have thunk? Not I. I would Me not neither. have thunk. Me neither. <laughs> like, we've seen so many other podcasts come and go in our tenure, and they probably still had more listeners than us. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm in this, uh, this group on, on Facebook. Um, it's it's a, a dad group, and... Um, one guy posted, he says, uh, yeah, any other podcasters in the group, uh, you know, let's see, your, what's your show about and let's see your setup. And I said, well, our setup is kind of designed to be mobile, so I, c- I can't really show you because it's, it's all packed up. But, uh, so, you know, we do a, um, uh, a horror news and, and film review podcast. Uh, we've been doing it for just shy of 10 years at this point. And, uh, one guy replied and he says, wow, 10 years, like, you know, congrats on your success. It's like, well, you know, success is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> so we've always, Congrats you know, on your persistence. Right. <laughs> That'd be more accurate. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we've always just done it for, for fun, more, more than the audience. You know, if, if we were doing it for the audience, we probably would have quit a long time ago. Yeah, no doubt. Um. Or changed or done something. But. Yeah. But this works for us. This, this is all we ever wanted. Really. <laughs> like, we didn't start the podcast to be like, dude, we should start a podcast so we can be rich and famous. Right. Because, you know, well, I think uh, at the time, the people who were getting rich and famous, well, maybe not, maybe not rich, maybe not famous, but, you know, making money off of podcasts. Back then, probably like Adam Carolla and maybe Mark Barron. To probably a lesser degree, yeah. And I don't know. Was had uh, what's this fucking meathead started? Rogan. That, Rogan. I don't think so. Okay, but maybe. But yeah, you can we, see that's a perfect example of how people have leapfrogged over us. <laughs> well, yeah. The most of the people that are rich and famous doing podcasts were already rich and famous before they started doing podcasts. Yeah, exactly. And you know, especially now uh, with uh, with COVID, all these celebrities who weren't working at the time, mm-hmm. you know, they all jumped on the podcast bandwagon and, you know, our <laughs> audience dwindled all the more. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not complaining at all. It's just, this is kind of how I saw it, that there are so many hours in the day. 
And if you listen to a lot of podcasts, you're going to put certain ones at the bottom of the list. Sure. And if you're the type of person who listens to a lot of celebrity podcasts, those are going to go above a tiny little podcast about horror movies. Some two idiots from Seattle talking about their penises. (laughs) (laughs) Again, that's, that's totally fine. I am content with us putting out the show that we do and with the audience that we do have. I'm, I'm totally content with that. Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about it on the show before, but the reason we started this podcast was to have something to do together. Exactly. It was never about making money or making content or getting an audience. So to have anyone else really listen to this and be like, yeah, those guys seem cool. Yeah. Like, Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, over the years, we've heard from people from other countries, which is just awesome. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, you know, from the UK and Europe and Australia, you know, people saying that they listen to our show and, you know, think we, you know, put out a good show. It's like, well, all right, we'll, we'll keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, it's, it hasn't been completely without its, its perks. We've met celebrities through the show. We've mm-hmm. gotten to do the, the film fest now going on six years for the for the uh, you know spurned out of the podcast yeah yeah i mean th- that's probably i don't know if it's necessarily our most successful venture I, I don't know that i qualify it that way but that's probably what's what's bringing in the 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 numbers i guess <laughs> yeah and definitely the more financially um sure viable thing <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, you, you're absolutely right. It's 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 been it, this has opened up a lot of things for us, and you know, even he, even me with my with my art, you yeah. know, my art was a was a different part of my life that I never really cor- incorporated into the show. But I've kind of like pursuing that has kind of like spawned from the show, you know, through little micro steps in between the two, I guess, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely credit this show for for me pursuing that. So, yeah. So what we're saying is this is the last episode. <laughs> Didn't that sound like we were, like, wrapping up? To- <laughs> yeah, I mean, those definitely sounded like something we'd be talking about on, like, our actual, like, 10-year anniversary. But, no. Uh, yeah, it's 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 been a ride, and I, I definitely did not expect to be sitting here at 219 episodes, especially because, like, you know, if we were doing like a weekly show, that'd be one thing. We would have done that years ago. Five years ago, give or take. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, doing it every other week and having missed, you know, at points even missing months worth of recording. Yeah. And then, you know, taking breaks during Octoberama, you know, as far as our like sequential um, episode numbering. Yeah. Um, but more episodes. <laughs> but more episodes, yeah. Let's... What four or five episodes extra every year? Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, so uh, what's up, Taylor? How how you doing? Doing pretty well. Yeah, yeah. What's what's new with which is uh, not much. The girlfriend's away this weekend. Oh, is she? Yeah, I figured she. Yeah, I mean, obviously she's not. She's not here. I just assumed she was out. But. No, she went to Colorado again. Oh, that's okay. It's her niece's birthday, so. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm just hanging with the pup at home. Me and my dog. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, cool. Um, I, I mean, well, I mean, I just saw you last week. We went to we went to Thrice. 
which yeah. is which is pretty sweet. Um, they played Arts in the Ambulance, which is one of their two good albums. Right. <laughs> yeah, we're, I mean, it was kind of discussing with you as much as you can at a show that, you know, like I, I loved Artists in, Artists in the Ambulance. I think when Artists in the Ambulance came out, like when it first came out was when I was really like introduced to Thrice. And then I kind of went back and got really into Illusion, Sa- Illusion of Safety. Um, and then however many years later when Visu came out, I'm just like, man. What's this? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? It's just, it started getting too... I don't know if experimental is the right word. Just a little too technical, I guess. Yeah. I was like, this isn't really what I'm looking for. But no, I still, you know, was it 25 years? Is that what they said? Is it 20 or 25? I don't recall. I think it was 25. I used to live like a quarter mile or so from the mall mm-hmm. when I first moved out of my parents' house. And I used to go to Hot Topic all the time. 2003, so 20 years. Okay. Because I was 18. Sure. And, you know, Hot Topic was still cool then. It wasn't just wall-to-wall nightmare before Christmas stuff. Uh, actually, have you been into a Hot Topic lately? No, not it's really. just super it's, lately. It's anime. Just anime shit oh, really? everywhere. Like, I got, I got this there the other day. Is wearing a Terrifier 2 shirt for yeah. the listeners at home. Which was, you know, and they've got like a wall of like movie and TV show shirts. I mean, they kind of always have. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of like superhero stuff. They used to have like pretty prominent like superhero s- section, um, you know, cartoons slash horror. I think those were always kind of combined. And then a big fucking wall of band shirts. Yeah. Band, the band shirts have shrunk significantly. And then pretty much all those things, the cartoons, the horror movies, the the uh, the, the comedy movies, and, and um, all the superhero stuff, that's pretty much all in, condensed into one section at this point. Mm. But yeah, something that has practically its own corner of the store is anime. Interesting. And it's fucking everywhere. Huh. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, I used to go in there on the regular, and there was always a guy working there named Jeff, and he was he yep. was super into Thrice. Yep. So, so that's that's how I first found out about Thrice was through Jeff. Nice. Yeah, I, I heard of him uh, through through a, a buddy, um, who I n- n- no longer speak to. <laughs> oh, good. I no longer speak to Jeff, but that's because we never really we were that close. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> It's mainly because I stopped going to Hot Topic. Right. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I got in, because they, they play, actually a couple of my friends were in this band who were very heavily influenced by Thrice. And just kind of through them, you know, listening to their band and then kind of getting into the kind of their musical influences, that's kind of how I, I heard of Thrice. Um, so... I remember when I tried to start a band with Adrian from Club Adrian, and all he wanted to do was play Thrice covers. That's it? <laughs> no interest in playing originals? Uh, well, not in the one practice we had. Oh, well. Yeah. And Jeremy looked at me like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was a singer? No. He's a drummer. He's a drummer? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were, let's see. My wife and I were in Tacoma, and 
what were we doing? I think we were actually leaving at a, sh- a show from uh, from a, a club that was nearby, but we drove past the old church where Club Adrian used to be. Yeah, and th- this place was like one of the hottest, like all ages clubs in the area. Oh yeah, for several years, um, and it was in the basement of a church, which was the weirdest fucking thing in hindsight. <laughs> but you know, I didn't really think much of it at the time. And yeah, I, I pointed it out. I'm like, that used to play be the place where like one of the like like hottest clubs that like you went to go see local bands used to be. And she's like, really? Yep. I remember seeing <laughs> Kane Hodder and Schoolyard Heroes there. Yep. Yeah, I went to several shows there. Tried not to because it got so fucking hot in that place. Yeah, it did because it was in the basement. Yeah, uh, and there they just. There's so many people there, and there's no ventilation. Like the only ventilation were like these tiny little windows, because you know, this is, again, it's a basement, so you get those basement windows. So yeah, like, little, like garden windows. Yeah, and then the doors behind the stage, they'd open those up. <laughs> yeah, and I remember going like going up the stairs up into like the main church area to just go outside and get a fucking breather, and just opening that door and getting that not even cold air just it's colder or cooler than the than the club and just like feeling like it was in the tundra <laughs> just like felt like the sweat on my face was like crystallizing yeah <laughs> but anyway yeah the local scene used to be like i don't even know what it looks like anymore i could not tell you especially in the south sound like yeah no idea but I mean, there used to be, there, were, there was Club Adrian and Club Impact, mm-hmm. both which were very Christian oriented clubs, not necessarily Christian bands, no, but they're run by like Christian organizations. Right. We played at Club Impact. Yeah, we did. We, <laughs> so we played. That was like our our big show. I don't think it was our last show, but it was like our big one uh, because we were. I think our last show was Studio Seven. Was it okay? Um, so yeah, we played this club and like. You know, if you're a, a, a small-time local band, like, if you were playing at Club Impact, that was, like, the big time. Yeah, it was, like, the biggest all-ages venue in the Puget Sound area. Right. Um, I mean, maybe except for Studio 7, but Studio 7 was still relatively new at the time. Well, Studio 7 wasn't exclusively all-ages. Like, That's they true. had 21 and over shows. Yes. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, Club Impact. Like, I was kind of like, I had just like started getting into Photoshop, so I was getting really into like graphic design. I'm like, hey, I'll you know make a flyer because we were. It was our Halloween show. Yeah, it was a Halloween show, and we were a supporting band. But I'm like, hey, okay, well, I'll make a flyer, and I'll make it look like we're the headliner. <laughs> um, so I did that, and I did <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if I just like just. Didn't even take it into consideration, or maybe if I just like threw caution to the wind or what. But I made this flyer that was based around The Exorcist, <laughs> and it's like Did I said, it say like the power of Christ compels yes, you. Yes, I, I said, <laughs> I said you will come because the power of Christ compels you. <laughs> and it had like this. It was like all you know, black and white, and it had like this, uh, you know. Um, Silhouette, not silhouette. I don't know if that's the right word, but like just a a black and white image of uh, of Reagan. I don't think I went as far as to put like an inverted cross. I don't remember any inverted crosses. Um, But yeah, it was very sacrilegious (laughs) to be to be sure. Um, And uh, 
Yeah, I remember I showed it to the owner, or somebody showed it to the owner of the club, and I was just like, because he he hadn't made it his own poster yet. Um, it's like, oh well, you know, show him this one. Maybe maybe he'll use that. And he's just like, uh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> but we put it out. We put it. We threw. We put it out like at, uh, at shows, and we took it to like a tar center and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we did a cover of Living After Midnight, and somehow the power went out on us. Yep. We still don't know if they cut it or if it was just something happened. But. Yeah. What a mess. It was a mess. And we looked so cool, too. Yeah, we were all like dressed up like zombies. I think we were the only band who did costumes. It was a fucking Halloween show. Yeah, really. And I don't even remember a lot of the audience being in costumes. But anyway. Uh, but I, I, that show did work out for me because I did meet a girl there. That's true. <laughs> um. Anyway. So. I don't. I don't remember how we got there, but um, something about thrice. Yeah, this, anyway. is, this is not the show. No, <laughs> so you guys know. But yeah, we did. Uh, we will talk about horror movies. Yeah, we'll get there. But anyway, yeah. So uh, we saw thrice, which was awesome. It was is cool because I I saw them at at Warp Tour the year that Artists in the Ambulance came out. No, year after because you and I. Well, we both went. We went those. Summer, what, 2004, I guess. Well, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, and they played there. Um, and that that was the last and only and last time that I saw them play Artists in the Ambulance live. Um, and so it was cool to see it again. They still sound good, too. No, I take that back. I did see them once. I saw them with the Get Up Kids, which is <laughs> the weirdest fucking combination. But I did see them with the Get Up Kids at the Paramount. I remember that. And that was like a last minute thing too. And I was like in college. So you can like think about a college kid going very last minute to a show at the Paramount. And that'll give you a good example of how cheap tickets used to be. Yeah, really? <laughs> I didn't have to plan for it. I didn't have to take a fucking loan to buy t- concert tickets. Here's one for you. I saw Finch, the starting line, and brand new. Wow. And it cost me a dollar and seven cents. Where was that? Um, it was, well, it's El Corazon now. Oh, okay. It was Graceland then. But it was the end used to do their penny pincher shows. Oh, I remember they, those. They, they yeah. all cost a dollar seven. Those were the three bands that I saw at one of them. Wow. I mean, I wouldn't have paid to see any of those bands, but still. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I can't remember the last show I went to at Graceland. Uh,. Me neither. May have been MC Chris. <laughs> or not not Graceland necessarily, but El- Elko. Um th- that building. Yeah, I'm saying I think my my, my last one might have been MC Chris. Okay. I wanna say it was probably Which is before you and I saw MC Chris. Right. I assume so. Um it was probably like Halloween, because I went to Halloween with, with our buddy Jensen. Jenkins? Yeah. Is that his first name? <laughs> and then uh, I also went to an Alkaline Trio show there. And I can't remember which one came first. But yeah, that Alkaline Trio show was bad. 
Oh yeah, I think I remember you telling me about that. I was out of town or something and didn't couldn't go. I don't know if you were even living here at the time. Oh, it was that long ago. Yeah. Anyway, it, yeah, cause, yeah, because it was around the time I met Kristen, or we, you know, we had just recently started dating. So you you were still in New York. Wow. Yeah, it's been a long, long time. Yeah. Anyway. Man. Anyway, this is not the show. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, anything else going on? Um, nothing too too great, I guess. Um, I was telling Taylor I'm going to Washington SummerCon tomorrow. Should be exciting. We're going to meet Grant Gustin and John Wesley Shipp. They both played The Flash. Yep. And those are the only flashes I acknowledge. <laughs> Except for maybe Michael Rosenberg, because he played him on the Justice League cartoon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why is there no? Or maybe there is. There might be at, at Universal Orlando a Flash ride. Oh, I don't know. Like Flash has never really been like a front and center character for whatever reason. Yeah, he's always been like my top two. But just his whole gimmick just leads itself to a ride. Oh yeah, definitely. That, that seems like it would be a good like roller coaster or something. At, yeah, like, at a Six Flags or something. Like a launch coaster. Yeah. Like Incredibles. You know, how you have Dash at the beginning, counts you down and you just take off. Yeah. Something similar. Most definitely. I guess now if they did it, though, it would just be a ripoff of the Incredible Coaster or something. Well, sure. But, yeah, nobody noticed. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so that should be fun. And uh, I felt like there was one more thing I wanted to talk about, but I can't. I can't remember what it was. So. Uh, anyway. Um, so before we get into the show, because we haven't yet. <laughs> Surprise, surprise. Like I said, this is not the show. Uh, let's take some time to thank our favorite people. And those people are, of course, our grave diggers over on Patreon uh, who help support this show financially. Uh, you know, it may come as a shock that this is not an expensive show, but it does cost money. Uh, we have to pay for equipment and uh, resources, you know, being like, you know, paying for our website and paying for a place to host our episodes and all that and uh, any kind of advertising we might do or, you know, all that. And, of, and of course, the, the film festival. It all, all the money that these people contribute go back into what we do here. And we are eternally thankful for that. Um, and those people, of course, are Carlos Rodella, Gory B. Movie, Max Zaleski, Aaron Meyer, Bob Voorhees, Kevin Nesgoda, and several others who we do not mention here because we love them just a little less. <laughs> no, it's because they don't have the tier. They don't have the tier, guys, for us to mention them on the show. Yeah. But you can get that tier. You can. Taylor. Yes, sir. Tell them how. By going to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. You can get that tier for $5, but really there's no minimum. Uh, but for as little as $1, you can join us every episode live for Horror Business. We are literally live right now on our Discord channel. Uh, you, you can put in little quips and maybe, maybe we'll say them on the air if they're funny enough. Yeah. Or maybe we'll just go, nope, ignore. <sighs> but you'll never know unless you try. You can also get discounts on Great Plot Podcast merchandise, discounts on Great Plot Film Fest tickets. I didn't say that. And, uh, you, you know, you never know, but maybe you can pick an episode or two. Yeah. 
Like, like maybe next one. episode. Oh, no, not this one. Oh, yeah. Is it next episode? It's next episode. Well, hot damn. That takes a load off of us, too, because we don't have to pick movies. That's right. <laughs> so go to patreon.com slash podcast. Join today, and you can officially nominate movies for us to talk about next episode. Do it. Do it. Bring do money. It. Do it. Do it. Um, all right. So before we get into horror business, I do want to discuss uh, a real-world horror that everybody's heard about at this point. Is this fucking Titan sub? Oh, and, and we don't have to make a big thing out of this because it, it, it's fucking tragic. There were five people in there. I, I don't know. Uh and um, yeah. So it was, it was the owner of of Ocean Gate, um, a guy and his son, who I've learned did not even want to go, but he did because it was Father's Day. Oh, jeez. And one or you know, like like two other people, I think. I, I just, you know, but it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars ahead. So you know, people who were very well off. But yeah, if, if you're not familiar with this, this was a uh, private company sub that was supposedly designed to go down to the depths. If something was it twenty thousand feet under leagues. the sea? Is it leagues? Is that I mean, that's, that's the movie, is 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I'm saying 20,000 20, feet, I think, is what it was supposedly designed for. Well, nautical terms, they use leagues. I don't, know what a league, foot? I don't know what a league is, but that's what they use. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, and yeah, it, uh, it went down and did not come back up. Uh, we recently learned that the thing imploded. And, I, and, you know, you and I were talking about how, like, that must be one of the absolutely most terrifying ways to die. Oh, a league is, like, three and a half miles. Oh, okay. So it's definitely not leagues. It's definitely just 20,000 feet. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, da, 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 da. Anyway, yeah. So this guy, even though I think he was fully aware of design flaws... Uh, and you may have seen on the news that it was controlled by a wireless Logitech gaming controller and furnished with things that he bought at a camping store and construction grade equipment on the outside, you know, big fucking surprise. And apparently it had, I don't know if it lost communication or was not equipped with communication equipment, but, um, yeah, you know, it spent several days under the water, uh, not knowing exactly where. Nobody seemed to know where it was until they started discovering uh, um, uh, wreckage, you know, pieces of the ship. And uh, just experts concluded that it, it imploded. The one thing that it seems to give maybe anybody a little bit of comfort and a little bit of ease is that the implosion would have happened so fast that their brains wouldn't have been able to process it before they died. Yeah. So that's something. Um, but, yeah, what what a fucking nightmare. So I, I have this crazy idea of how to make sure this doesn't happen again. Uh, instead of going underwater and looking at the Titanic or launching into space, maybe billionaires give money to, like, homeless 
just an idea. Yeah. I don't know. It's so crazy. It just might work. Right. <laughs> I, I'm I'm curious what's going to happen to Ocean Gate because I mean the owner's dead now. <laughs> I saw somebody who was like. The media must be so pissed that this company is called Ocean Gate because now what are they going to call this controversy? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Ocean Gate Gate. Ocean Gate Gate 2023. But no, I, I really don't want to make jokes about it because it is, it, it turns my stomach thinking about it. Um, just like, oh God. I mean, it gives me chills. Like, uh, like, I'm I'm a I'm pretty good swimmer, so like drowning. Like, if I'm out swimming, is not something I fear, but I don't like going on boats because I don't want to have to be swimming in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, and I definitely don't want to go on something that goes under the water. Yeah, you know, case in point. I don't even want to go scuba diving. Like, no, I have zero interest. About I I have zero interest in exploring for myself what is under the sea. I don't even like swimming in the ocean. Like I go body surfing when I go to the ocean. I I mean I haven't swam in the ocean. I don't even rem- remember how long. But I mean, you know, when I lived in L.A., that's just that's what you did. You went to the went to the beach. Sure. So, um, here you, you don't do that because it's fucking freezing all year long. <laughs> Well, I think maybe natives do, like people who were born and raised here do, but I never will. <laughs> like if you go to like ocean shores in like July, it's still freezing. Like the water's like so cold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, man, my my heart goes out to the the surviving members of those people's families because that is just. An awful way to lose a loved one. I mean, losing a loved one is never. There's no preferable way to do it, I guess. But yeah, um, there's probably ways that you you, just, you probably don't want it to happen, <laughs> and I can imagine that being one of them. So, anyway, I, I just wanted to mention that because that is probably the most terrifying thing on my mind right now. <laughs> but anyway, so um, enough of that. Let's move on and talk about some more business. All right, starting out in real world horror. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, let's talk about terrifying things. This is more just like unsettling. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Uh, the news is coming out that, uh, after a a grand jury indictment, uh, they're finding that thieves have taken or took body parts from Harvard's medical school, uh, from the morgue, um, and were selling them, selling body parts. Yeah. You know, this kind of reminds me of Burke and Hare, except it was the other way. They were stealing from graves and giving them to medical schools. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) Um, whatever. I don't judge. I like popsicle stick in my ass and yogurt, yogurt <laughs> in my ass and a popsicle stick in my mouth. You're the one with the hot plate, weirdo. <laughs> I'm the weirdo. Says the guy with the popsicle stick. <laughs> no, the guy with the yogurt up his ass. Right. Um, how would you squeeze it like like a, like a turkey yogurt? baster? <laughs> 
or do you just slather it? I don't know. I mean, it's got to get, if he's saying he likes it up his ass, then it's got to go up there somehow. Yeah. You just kind of get a nice layer going and then just whoop. Um, yeah, so this he doesn't took- use the popsicle stick for that and then put it in his mouth, does he? <laughs> um, it's best just not, not to think about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost not what we're thinking about. There are so many people. Well, there's not so many people listening to this period, but if there were, they'd be like, What the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> That's the mystery. Uh, so this took place in Boss Baston from what? Technically Cambridge. Cambridge. <laughs> from uh, 2018 to 2023. Uh, the man behind this is Cedric Lodge, the morgue's manager. Uh, he says that, uh, or the re- reports say that he allowed buyers to come into the morgue and shop for every type of part you can imagine, including full heads, brains, skin, and bones. So yeah. people just come in with like their reusable shopping bags and then just take what they want? Yeah, I guess. And it's like, how much skin are they taking? Are they taking like sheets? Or are they like... And like, like, would you bring like a cheese slicer and just take it off? Or what? How does that... I don't know. It's almost not worth thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've never dismembered or, you know, degloved a body before. Is, is that the proper term? I believe so, yeah. I mean, I know for like losing it on your hand, like, yeah, is degloving, but I don't know if whole body filleting, f- yes, filleting. That's yeah, or filleting, f l a y, yes, filleting. Yep. And but, like, when did they come out with like a bag and he rang them up or like what? <laughs> what was the the transaction here? I don't know. Maybe he's got like a. Or is like a monthly fee? He's <laughs> got like a square reader. <laughs> Just miscellaneous charges, no, no, nothing specific. You yeah, know, you don't want to keep you don't want to keep detailed records. Just you, know, you got to have something in case you know Uncle Sam comes knocking. Right. <laughs> it's like, where'd you get that extra fifty thousand dollars? It's like, oh, just my independent business. <laughs> I sell widgets. <laughs> um, various sundries. <laughs> Uh, Lodge's wife, Denise, uh, presumably Lodge. Presumably. Um, and four others have also been charged with transportating. Transportating? God damn it. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. <laughs> uh, charged with transporting stolen goods across state lines. Another person accused in the case, Katrina McLean. McLean. It's hard to know. Macklin. <laughs> I think it could be Macklin. Yeah. Uh, owns a brick and mortar storefront called Cat's Creepy Creations. She also sells her crafts on social media. The description on her Facebook page says she is an artist of horror, macabre oddities, and everything creepy. I love creating things that shock the mind and shake the soul. That's which is fine. Yeah. I know plenty of people, you know, I we follow people on the show's account that make stuff like that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's a way there's a, there's a way that you go about you know like creating or collecting oddities, 
And there's a way that you don't do it. Right. And stealing, you know, things from bodies from morgue, that's the latter. Yeah. Yeah, like she has Instagram posts that say, um, you know, they like advertise human skulls or like things made with human skulls. Right. And she even had one that said, if you're in the market for human bones, hit me up. Weird. It's a weird, weird, weird thing to say. Like if if you went on a date with a girl and you went back to her place and she had some little figurine or something and you were like, oh, this is interesting. And she's like, oh yeah, that's made with the human skull. Would you just set it down and walk out the door? Because I feel like that's what I'd do. I think I'd probably need some more context. Like how big are her tits? (laughs) (laughs) You gotta put me on blast like that. (laughs) But no, like I like you again, there there are oddities out there. Some of them include human skulls or things made from human skulls. So but it's hard to tell because you know how did, you and I wouldn't know the difference between a skull that's like a hundred years old and a skull that's you know thirty days old, sure, or you know thirty days from from harvest. I guess <laughs> I don't know if that's the right term, but we'll, we'll, we'll go with it. Uh, yeah, like uh, when I was uh, vending at Crypticon, there was there was a galby on the row behind me, and you know down at the end who was selling uh, oddities and she like was selling like preserved animals, but she was explaining to somebody that she like, she'll, they're like roadkill. Like she'll find dead animals on the side of the road and, you know, preserve, preserve them, Mm. which is my understanding is perfectly legal, but it's trash basically more or less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was it called cats? Creepy creations. I I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I hope not. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, McLean, 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 allegedly bought over six hundred. Oh, that's not much. Six hundred dollars worth of faces. She got from the academic morgue. Was she trying to make a Necronomicon? Silence <laughs> of the lambs. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, my single favorite scene from the office when they have the cpr dummy and dwight cuts its face off and puts it on oh yeah (laughs) never ceases to just absolutely crack me up even though i know it's coming seen it i don't know how many times uh she in turn sent human skin to jeremy polly from bloomsburg pennsylvania pennsylvania uh he also bought some hoagies from, from a dude from, on the internet. <laughs> bought it from some dude in the Poconos. Uh, Polly's Instagram account also shows a plethora. What is a plethora? It's like a hodgepodge. <laughs> you 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 missed you missed the joke. Did I? Yeah. Three amigos. Oh, I haven't seen that in forever. Hefe. What is a plethora? <laughs> Why? Why a waffle? Because I would not. I would not like to hear a man tell me I have a plethora when he does not know what a plethora is. <laughs> um, plethora, plethora of human <laughs> remains 
for sale, including brains, teeth, and bone. Yeah, I mean, so like these things, I th- again, there's a, there's a there's a right way and a wrong way to do it, and ill-gotten gains is not the way. <laughs> yeah, six hundred dollars would uh, would I feel like paying six hundred dollars? Yeah, how many faces is that? Yeah, what's that? What's, seems what's the low. <laughs> I know. I would expect like thousands of dollars. Yeah, for like one, maybe not thousands of dollars for one face, but definitely at least a thousand. Yeah, I would think. I mean, what's the market rate on on faces? Like the the risk reward does not seem worth it for uh, for old Haji here. Yeah, if if you're in the business, why don't you give us a give us a ring and you know drop us an email or leave us a comment. And let us know what the going rate for a human face is. Sure. And then we report them to the we, FBI. And then oh yeah, then we block them. <laughs> yeah. So this uh this Jeremy Paulin guy, he's he's a looker. Um. <laughs> You know, I, I try not to judge people by what they choose to put on their body. Um, but this guy, his one entire half of his face is tattooed with, it looks like. A rock monster? Uh, it looks like a rock pattern or maybe scales with like a tribal pattern. Wait, is it, turn, turn it says me. Is it a brain? It maybe could be a brain. It's like a like a squiggly weavy pattern. Like, yeah, could could be a brain. It could it could be a brain, and then like tribal pattern over the top of that. It almost looks like it's dug out of it. I wonder what tribe he's part of. Um, Chad, <laughs> <laughs> Chad tribe. <laughs> and then he's got big gauged ears, which is fine. He's got snake bite piercings and a livray piercing, which is fine. But then he also has spikes coming out of his head. Yeah, like dermal posts. He also has his eye tattooed. Which I think is the weirdest one for me. That turns my stomach. Like when I yeah. see, and like not just, but like seeing people with tattooed eyes turns my stomach because I think about the act of tattooing an eyeball, mm-hmm. and it makes me sick. Like yeah, like not even my own, not even just getting my own eye tattooed, but like the thought of somebody getting their eyeball tattooed is just like Ugh. yeah. Is that you that has a thing with eyeballs? Um. Maybe, I mean, do you or don't you? <laughs> like, what about them? I mean, like where you, you like you can't see people like poke their own eyeball or anything like that. I, I don't mind it so much. Okay, maybe I'm thinking of somebody else then. It's usually like uh, in movies if it's like really slow, like zombie. <laughs> That's good stuff. Then I'm just like, ah. <laughs> but I'm not like with you with fingernails, not to that extent. Yeah, I can't get that. that. And teeth, teeth is I don't teeth, like uh, either. Teeth is hard. But yeah, watching people like like get their like if they're like clawing at the floor or something, and being like dragged and their fingernails peel off. Yeah, or man, something I can't like even though they don't actually show it. A scene I cannot watch is the curb stomping scene in American, American History, History X. X. Not just not necessarily because of the the violence or the you know just the sheer awfulness of it, but because of the sound mm-hmm. that his teeth make when his when they touch the curb. I'm very sensitive about my teeth. Dude, I can't, like, when people bite forks I, while they're eating. Oh. That makes me want to crawl on my skin. Yeah. It makes me want to just stab them with the fork. <laughs> just take the fork and stab them in the eye. <sighs> anyway. <clears throat> anyway, don't buy body parts on the internet. Yeah. Or at least buy them from a reputable source, you know? And One don't, that hasn't been prosecuted. If, if you work at a morgue, don't sell the bodies. Yeah. And, and and don't and don't put yogurt up your ass. Well, and 
do whatever you want, actually, in the comfort of your own home, whatever. If if you know if that's your kink, then go for it as long as you're not hurting nobody. But um, but don't let people fuck the bodies. Yeah, that's especially uncouth. if they have a hot plate. <laughs> So uh, the the company Radio Silence just recently released Scream Six, which we talked about. Uh, was it last episode? I think it might have been Scream. Last. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was last yeah. episode. So yeah, we just talked about that last episode, uh, and now they are working on a uh, untitled monster thriller for a little studio called Universal. Universal monster. Uh, we heard that term before. I, I, I think have, so. Once or I twice. Once so. or twice. Uh, we don't, like I said, we don't know what this movie is. It is. It's just a unknown Universal monster movie. Could be Wolfman. Could be Creature from the Black Lagoon. Could be Mummy. I don't know if they would trot out another Mummy just yet, but um, I, th- I mean, I see you haven't noted here. Uh, that at one point the project was called Dracula's Daughter. So one would think it has something to do with Dracula, but they just made Renfield. That's true. So who knows what they're up to? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> we know they're not doing the Universal Monster Universe anymore. Thank Christ. Um, Unless Abbott and Costello's involved, I don't want to see it. <laughs> I think is that... Um, that park they're opening in Texas, is that supposed to have Universal Monsters in it? Park they're opening in Texas. Yeah, Universal's opening a new Universal Studios park in Texas. Really? Yeah. I don't know if I haven't heard about that or if I just forgot. And they're also opening a year-round haunted attraction in Vegas. I knew about that. The Texas thing is new, though. Oh, I heard about it at the same time. Oh, well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this film is dated for April 19th, 2024. Dan Stevens from The Guest. Which Dan, is, Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens. Hi, Dan Stevens. That's, I sell plastic. <laughs> Dan Stevens for Cairo 5. <laughs> I know Cairo 7, but they don't know that. They don't know that. <laughs> um, Is he the, the titular guest in The Guest? He's the titular guest. He also played... Uh, Let's see, he was he was the beast in the live adaptation mm, of right. Beating the Beast. And yeah, he was with, also, with Hermione. Yeah. And he was in um, Legion, that... Uh, Is that the X-Men show on FX? Yep. The FX-Men show? <laughs> FX-Men. Uh, Alicia Weir from Matilda the Musical. Kevin Durand from The Strain. Uh, I, I mean, everybody knows Kevin Durand, right? I fucking loved Kevin Durand. Not Kevin Durant. No. Uh, Catherine Newton from Freaky. Angus Cloud. Will Catlett and Melissa Barrera are all starring. Uh, Barrera. Barrera. Melissa Barrera, uh, of course, was one of the main characters in Scream 6. Uh, and she is apparently going to be the lead. And exciting, just signed on, the one, the only, Giancarlo Esposito. Yo, Adrian. What <laughs> 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 I, regret, I regretted that instantly. 
Uh, Gus Fring himself. That's right. From Far Cry 6. Yeah. He was he's Gus Fring in Far Cry 6. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Also, Pierce Hawthorne's half-brother. Right? Uh, Gus? I think his name was Gus. Wait, is that right? What? Like, I'm doubting myself as soon as I said that. I, I don't think it was Gustavo, because I was in ba- Breaking Bad, he was Gustavo Frank. Right. I think it might have been Gus. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, fuck. We just watched this. Oh. Uh, okay. Oh, farts. Um, anyways, as Tony said, Gilbert, Gilbert, I knew that it started with a G. Like I knew it was close ish to Gus and <laughs> that it started with a G and that it started with a G. Yeah. Uh, as Tony said, and as the Hollywood reporter, uh, reported the project was at one point titled Dracula's daughter. That project centered on a group of kidnappers who abduct a band of young people. One of whom ends up being the titular character, Dracula's daughter. <laughs> uh, woe then betides the kidnappers. Wow. That's a that's a big that's a, that's a fucking old English sentence right that's there. Top shelf words right there. That is pirate talk. <laughs> uh, Weir is playing the kidnappee who proves to be more than she appears with Barrera playing one of the kidnappers. So wait, so is this the movie or not? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> that went from it was going to be this to here's who's playing what. Right. Um, I mean, unless she's not. Dracula's daughter anymore, but I'm trying to think of another monster. Like the only thing, other thing I could feel that would fit that role is like a werewolf. Yeah. So maybe it's a, a wolf, wolf person, wolf gal. <laughs> well, I think you got to be non-gender and just be wolf person. That's that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that's a dumb thing. Uh, the Matt Bettinelli Open and Tyler. Gillett or Gillette will direct. The script was written by Stephen Shields with revisions by Guy Busick. If any of those names do anything for you. I know Guy Fieri. That's not the same person. He's the mayor of Flavortown. He is. (laughs) (laughs) Does he have like a catchphrase other than just Flavortown? Like, does he have like, does he have like a bang or a, a bam? Like when he first bites into something that's really good, does he have like something he always says? Oh, he says like, uh, you know, that's out of bounds. Uh, it's good enough to eat off a flip flop. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. Um, what else? Uh, so he doesn't have just one that he just like. No. I mean, there's no like levels. It's not like if he says good enough to eat off a flip up, they. Uh, Graphic comes on screen and shows you where on the guy fear you level that. <laughs> I think probably like that's out of bounds is probably his most common one. Is that that's the highest, the, the, the highest praise? I feel like that's the one he uses. That's most the Paul often. Hollywood handshake of Guy Fieri, <laughs> right? <laughs> of course, he looks like he enjoys pretty much everything he ever eats. So I can tell you, like, I know that he, he he's supposedly a very nice guy. Like to meet him in person mm-hmm. or, you know, to work with him, uh, whatever, I'll, fine. But I can't get over the fact of what a douchebag <laughs> he looks like. Yeah, still. Like uh, he still looks like he listens to Sugar Ray and the, like, does he, does he wear flame shirts? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, he wears flame shirts. But he usually like wears like bright t-shirts and like cargo shorts and flip flops. And he looks like the singer of Smash Mouth. Yeah, and he wears so many rings. Like a fucking 
And he's got like the Italian Scott Steiner mobster. goatee. Oh yeah. And it's like it's all like bleach blonde. There's so much bleach. Like how, I don't know how much bleach he must go through. And gel to get that spiky. Yeah. But Mark McGrath hair going. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But uh but like, he needs to just hammer down on one phrase that's just like when when he says that phrase, everyone knows I fucking made it. My suggestion, I poppy. <laughs> but he's not he's not Hispanic. I know, that's why it would be hilarious. I just imagine this fat bleach blonde Scott Steiner goatee with his sunglasses on his head, wearing his flame shirt and his teal tank top underneath, and he just takes a bite of this pulled pork sandwich. He goes, "I poppy, that's good." <laughs> like, don't don't put any f- accent, don't put any spice on it. Just I mm, poppy, that's really good. <laughs> uh yeah, like so, like as reprehensible as I find him, I like I am envious of how much he looks like he enjoys everything he puts in his mouth. Oh sure, like I wish that I could enjoy food that much. Even like food that I like, I don't enjoy that much. Yeah. So like for him to just be like, oh my god, he's just like a woman in a porno, like just <laughs> really putting on a show. Um, or a guy in a porno. Just like, sure. Oh fuck! Oh fuck! Oh, fuck. <laughs> Oh, oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> oh, give me that nut. Uh, okay, that's hey. what he should do. Oh, give me that pulled pork with pineapple barbecue sauce nut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, John Carlo Esposito. Much fun. <laughs> Universal Monster Movie, coming uh, April 19th, 2024. Hey. All right, so as we're all patiently awaiting Stranger Things, uh, Season five, yeah. I, I keep thinking that this is like the second half of season five, but it's it's season season five will be two parts, similar to season four. Um, but as we patiently await it, you know, we we're going to be waiting longer because of the the writer strike, which I really wish would end. Yeah, not not saying like I wish the writers would stop what they're doing. I, I agree with what they're doing. Yeah, no, I, I wish, wish they the would studios get what they would, want, you know, pull their fingers out of their ass. So I say, um, I say, pull your finger out of your ass. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, things still go on behind the scenes that, that don't involve writing, you know, pre-production type stuff. Um, and recently at Netflix's uh, Tudum event, so dumb. That's it's so dumb. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> uh, they announced that joining the cast of Stranger Things Five will be the in not infamous. That's that's not the right word. <laughs> Incomparable. Incomparable. Linda Hamilton. Uh, of course, you know, probably most well-known as uh, Sarah Connor, the original Sarah Connor. Yep. From the Terminators. Yep. Uh, um, 
And uh, yeah, so I mean, that, that's really all they've announced. That's all we know right now. Yeah, uh, we just know she is in it. Yeah. Um, she, I think most recently was on... Luis Guzman is in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think she was most recently on Alien, uh, Resident Alien. Have you, have you ever watched that? Mm-mm. Oh, dude, it's so fucking funny. I, I, I love Alan Tudyk. What are you doing? I'm just fucking up. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a great show. Like, I, I, it cracks me up that Alan Tudyk is the resident voice for every animal in Disney movies now. Oh, I know. <laughs> he just makes noises. Like he doesn't even talk. Yeah, but he's 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 almost like how Jim Jim Carrey was like impressions. Like he's just like the man of a thousand voices. Yeah, and like I mean, he can do so many different characters too. Um. They just like it seemed like there for a while he was on like any animated show or movie or something he had a part in you know in one form or another. I but, really hope that that Hey Hey is in the live action Moana and that he does the voice Hey Hey the chicken. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cuz they took the dragon out of the mo- the um uh Mulan adaptation. Yeah. I think a, a, a dragon is a little harder to fit into a live action film, though. I mean, like, like some, like one that's supposed to take, like, be based in reality. Yeah, I think Moana, especially a talking one. <laughs> sure, yeah. Boy, uh, you know, it sounds like Eddie Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Moana is just inherently more mis- mystical and like fantastical. Yeah. So, anyway. Whatever. The Rock's playing Maui. Maui, which is so weird because Maui is like this big, thick, like heavy set guy, and The Rock is just like fucking like like he's huge, but he's huge in a different way. Yeah, he's he's got like he's so bulgy, he's like a moose. <laughs> I broke Tony. Oh god, that caught me so off guard. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like The Rock might have had like muscles like surgically implanted because I feel like he has muscles that don't actually exist. Yeah, he has muscles in places where I don't have places. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh anyway. Have you seen like uh, they put out a Rocky My Via pop figure? Yeah. With the the tassels. Tassels and everything. Ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, um, why are we talking about that? I, I, oh, Alan Tudyk. Oh, right. Uh, anyway, so Stranger Things, um, the uh, the, uh, the the Duffer Bros, because they sp- they must speak in like in unison in unison because they always say Matt and Ross Duffer said. Yeah, uh, like maybe it's through a, a press release or something, but yeah, it never says like Matt Duffer said this, Ross Duffer said this. It's always Matt and Ross Duffer said. Yeah, but um, uh, they said seven, seven years, years ago. Oh. oh, I thought we were going to do it in unison. <laughs> Can we do it in unison? One, two, three. Seven, seven years, years ago, ago, we, we planned, planned out the complete story arc for Stranger Things. things. At, At the, the time, time, we predicted the story would last four or five seasons. seasons. It, it proved, proved too large to tell in four, but... As, As you'll, you'll soon see for yourselves, we are, are now hurtling toward, toward our finale. finale. 
Season four will be the penultimate season. Season five will be the last. <laughs> Can't believe we did that so well. <laughs> Even the next line, the Duffer Brothers tease. Like it they don't they don't have their own identities. And a one and a two. <laughs> There, there are, are still, still many, many more exciting stories, stories to tell within the world, the world of Stranger things. things. New mysteries. Oh, sorry. I lost my place for a second. New, new mysteries, mysteries, new adventures, new unexpected heroes. Uh, and I suppose that is, you know, very, it's tying into this, the, the, um, the, uh, their, their, uh, spinoffs. It's, it's, I'm trying to think of, um, novel, not novelization, but like books that they're, they're announced. An animated series has been announced. There's been rumors of 11 getting her own show, which is weird. Cause stranger things is basically about 11 anyways. Right. And like, maybe it's just kind of like the fatalist in me, but I would, I'm, I'm picturing 11 dying at the end of season five. It kind of seems like she has to. Yeah, because it's the, like the only the ultimate way to sacrifice, cl- right? To, I mean, to close because she opened it. She opened the 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 door to the uh, upside down, right? It would seem like she would need to be the one to close it, which she thought we thought she did in season three. Obviously, it didn't happen, right? Well, what happened? The mind flare like piggybacked on on uh, what's his face, Will? Yeah. Anyway, but it, yeah, it seemed like she wouldn't need to, yeah, make this ultimate sacrifice, that kind of, you know, thing. Yeah. But who knows? The Duffer Bros knows. <laughs> Together, they know all. <laughs> they share a brain, apparently. <laughs> you see Millie Bobby Brown married Bon Jovi's kid? Did they get married? Yeah. I did not know that. I don't, it makes me uncomfortable how good looking she is now. <laughs> Because I still remember as a the tiny little kid that tiny I... Tiny little kid with a shaved head. Yeah, that I thought was a boy at first. Right. Uh, yeah. But I mean, if you're going to land a Bon Jovi, you, you got to be good looking. Well, sure. Yeah. They're beautiful family. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Bon Joni himself. Mr. Bovine Joni. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well... Uh, so yeah, Linda Hamilton. Yeah, so no word yet on who she's playing. No, I think you might have just skipped over that. But did I? No. Well, I, I tend to skip things. Yep. I wonder, like, is Paul Reiser's character still alive? He is, right? I don't remember because they did. Oh, I don't. I feel like most people who care have seen season four at this point, but just in case, I don't recall what happened. When he was in trouble. <laughs> right. Yeah, me neither. And I'm just saying, if there's a way to bring back Bob. You sh- I mean, they should do it. Just You should do it, because he was the best character on the whole show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody wants to talk about Barb, but what about Bob? Who fucking cares about Barb? Literally no one. No one? For, like, all the people who do, but but otherwise, no one. Well, like, nobody cares anymore. Not anymore. No, they didn't. No. Everyone was like, Justice for Barb. So they're like, fine, here, Justice for Barb. Now shut up about it. <laughs> like, Justice for Barb. And then season two came. It's like, I don't know who Barb is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you, you're right. You don't. Nobody nobody knew who Barb was. And that's why she's a completely forgettable character. Barb was fucking wallpaper until she died. Yeah. Like, but Bob. Bob was awesome. Bob. Bob. What about Bob? <laughs> so you're a tough guy. Like- 
So Blumhouse has acquired the rights to the serial killer novel The Quiet Tenant. Like Bumhouse. <laughs> Quiet. Bumhouse. Quiet Tenant. Like butts. Well, yeah, because they're all a bunch of bums. <laughs> we like to touch each other's butts. <laughs> <laughs> you like to pat little boys' butts. But butt patter. <laughs> Freaks and geeks. Oh. That's Bill's um, prank phone call to Biff. Because <laughs> okay. Biff plays the PE teacher. Tom Wilson. Oh, Tom Wilson. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Bumhouse Television will develop <laughs> as either a premium limited series or a streaming movie. So this is not going to theaters. This is going to your TV, to the small screen, as they say. And they have a deal with Universal, right? And so presumably yeah, Peacock. So. Peacock. I think when they say Blumhouse Television, they make it sound like they have like their own streaming service, but they don't yet, anyways. I mean, it's probably a division of Blumhouse, Blumhouse Television. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the Quiet Tenant is a serial killer novel with a twist. A twist. The twist has been twisted again. A teat has been twisted. <laughs> One centering not on the murderer, but on those impacted by his crimes. Haunting, but never prurient. The fuck does that mean? Oh, I've seen that word before. Oh, that's cool. You've seen words before. Nobody cares. <laughs> Fuck off. Uh, having or encouraging an excessive interest in sexual matters. Oh. She, she'd been the subject of much prurient curiosity. All right. I learned uh, something that I am today. Uh, that's The book was described as such by Alifair Burke. I'm not sure who that is either. But um, the quiet. Wait, so they're telling me there's no no boobs in this. Uh, never prurient. Yeah, that's 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 the impression I'm getting. Yeah, fucking yawn. <laughs> the quiet tenant is told solely through the perspective of three women in the killer's life: his daughter, his girlfriend, and the captive he has earmarked for death. So he's a family man who also murders people. Wouldn't be the first one. That's true. Um, I don't remember if I said this. This was from a French author named. Clements Michelon, Michelon, uh, and uh, Michelon says, I knew from the beginning that my serial killer would not get to speak. I'm a reporter by trade, so I took writing an authentic serial killer novel as a great responsibility. Since the serial killer here victimizes women, there was something important in the centering of female voices. Okay. Interesting that uh, she starts out, my serial killer would not get to speak, which of course conjures up like, Jason and Michael and other mute serial killers. Mm -hmm. But like, this is, like I said, a family man. And from this limited um, synopsis, I get like a everyday Joe kind of person. I guess we just never. Yeah. uh, I presume that it would be centered. I'm not so much centered, but like he's more like a, He's a plot device as less as more than a character. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe somebody who's always walking out of a room rather than walking into it, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> but which uh, I feel like is much easier to accomplish in a book than a movie. Uh, maybe I, I couldn't say. Yeah. But, but yeah. 
Well, that, that's it. This is coming to, to, to Blumhouse Television, whatever that is. Um, like I said, either a, a limited series or a streaming movie. Uh, no word yet on release date or writers or directors or cast or uh, gaffers or anything like that. So. <laughs> Best boy. <laughs> Key grip. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Bumhouse. <laughs> Bum bummer house that got him. Yeah. Yeah. So I I mean how familiar are you with the whole thing going on at, at Warner Brothers in, in DC uh, with the with the superhero movies? Mm, little to none. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I presume that you're f- privy to the fact that uh, James Gunn and, and Peter Safran have been made. Um, I don't think president is the right term, but the Feige, huh? The Feige, basically, yeah. They they are heading up DC Studios. You know, they are they're the ones. They're going to be the DCCU. Right. Well, it's like they called it the DCEU, which I believe was it actually an entertainment extended universe. Oh. Um, because DCU, the, the DC universe, was what kind of what they called the comics. Why not DCCU, cinematic universe? I don't know. Because Marvel already used that? Well, because there are so many different things going on. You know, there's there's the comics, there's the, uh, the cartoons. I mean, DC has a much more prominent animated, um, or at least it used to animated um, department department. Yeah, the business than than uh, Marvel does. Uh, and and then of course the films and just the DCEU or the Snyderverse as they called it was just its own thing. Um, but anyway, so that's all done now. James Gunn and Peter Safran have taken things over. They've been, you know, personally appointed by, um, uh, was it David Zaslav? Yeah. So, um, to basically reboot the whole fucking DC film empire. Um, and you know, you've seen anybody, you know, if, if you're even mildly into superhero movies, you've probably heard that you know wonder woman 3 was canceled um uh man of steel 2 was canceled any other films you know involving like uh or any any of the batman movies with with ben affleck those are canceled um basically any future plans involving Zack snyder's characters were all basically canceled uh except for um the flash and aquaman 2 and i think that's primarily because the movies were already, you know, in, in significant like stages of doneness. <laughs> um uh anyway, but so the plan going forward is just to kind of restart everything. There's going to be so they're going to do Blue Beetle, which is going to be like the first Gun Safran era film to come out. Um then the first movie that's really starting this new era of DC movies is Superman um, Superman Legacy, I think that's what it's called, um, which they're in the process of. And then there's going to be Batman, Brave and the Bold. So they've announced like the first few movies. And this is going to be an extended universe. 
it's hard to say. Uh, They're not really saying about what, like what their plans are, like to form like a justice league type thing uh, Mm -hmm. at at this time. So it's, it's really hard to say they're James Gunn or, you know, Gunn and Safran are keeping things, you know, very, you know, um, you know, they're being very tight lipped about things. Is Brave and the Bold, that's what it's called? The yeah. new Batman? Is that, uh, is it Pattinson? No. So, that was the new Pat- Batman. Yeah, so they're still going to make Batman, the Batman 2, whatever it may be called. But as far as I know, there's no future plans beyond that. Hmm. Um, and it's going to be called an, so in the comics, whenever something is in a, in a different universe, they call it Elseworlds. Okay. It's presumably the Batman is going to be an Elseworlds film. Okay. Um, and I think Blue Beetle might be as well. Um, so it's like you have no real skin in the game because, you know, it's not really building towards right. anything. Yeah. And that, that's, I'm trying not to get too derailed here, but that's kind of why it seems like the Flash is totally failing. I mean, aside from the whole Ezra Miller elephant. Of it all, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, because people know it's not leading towards anything now. Because everything that it might have been building, because this the storyline they used was like one of the greatest storylines in all of DC history. And it was so minuscule and changed compared to what happened in the comics. It's kind of like not even worth it. And now the results of it aren't really going to like pan out. <laughs> so it's like people are just like, well, why would I go pay to see this movie that, yeah, that, that doesn't matter anyway. So, uh, the other film that has been announced and they're actually starting to announce directors as well. Um, Andy Muschietti is going to direct Brave and the Bold. James Gunn himself is going to direct Superman legacy. The next film coming out is going to be swamp thing. And they've announced James Mangold to be directing it. Um, and, uh, you know, last time they tried to do something with, uh, with Swamp Thing, it was a James Wan TV show on, you know, DC's, you know, when they had their own streaming service before they moved it over to HBO. Uh, they made a, a, a series that ultimately got canceled because nobody fucking subscribed to DC Universe. <laughs> um, and, uh, so this is going to be like the first attempt at Swamp Thing since then. Um, and uh, so James Mangold is saying that his project is going to be a gothic horror movie, which I don't know how it plays out. <laughs> I don't quite understand that statement. He says he wants to investigate the dark origins of Swamp Thing. And it's like the dark origins is, is that he was a scientist who got burned up in some chemicals and then dove into a swamp. And then his cells basically dissolved and reincorporated into swamp matter, which formed a body. So he's not even like him anymore. He's just this creature. He's a swamp thing with the mind of this scientist. So, but but that's that's his origin. So I don't know what these dark origins yeah, are. I mean, it's dark, but it's not like, it's not like gothic. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not sure where he's going with that. Uh, he uh, stresses multiple times that he's not interested in treating franchise installments like a feature-length uh, episodes of a set- television series, but rather his intent as a filmmaker is to tell complete stories from beginning to end. In other words, don't expect Mangold's Swamp Thing to be merely a small part of a much larger DC 
be part of be a small part of much larger DC plans for the character. He says, while I'm sure DC views Swamp Thing as a franchise, I would be viewing it as a very simple, clean, gothic horror movie about this man-slash-monster. He explains that he's been toying for years with the idea of making a kind of Frankenstein movie, again, stressing that he's just doing my own thing with this, just a standalone. So This, this sounds like another one of those elsewhere. Yeah, and see, that's that. my understanding is that when they brought on Gun and Saffron, that was what they were going to stop doing. That they were going to stop making all these things that, like you know, you got like Snyderverse and you've got the Batman and you've got Joker and you've got all these things that don't actually line up with each other. And they were going to stop doing that because they were losing their ass. Or, I mean, they're completely losing the game against DC, you know Disney and Marvel. Yeah, because they had you know, crossovers and they were incorporating films with other films. Meanwhile, DC couldn't get its own head out of its ass and decide it's like, oh, well, you know, we're making this movie, but it doesn't have anything to do with these other movies. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, then why the fuck do I care? Yeah. But it seems like, the, I don't know if this is going to be a common thing. Like, are all these movies not going to have anything to do with each other? Because, uh, like I said, who cares? Yeah. You know, in... in in a time when there was Christopher Reeves as Superman and there was um, Michael Keaton as Batman, and, you know, this is going back a little further, but, you know, like Linda Carter as Wonder Woman, they had nothing to do with each other, but, you know, you didn't really expect yeah, them to make that's a big the way crossover. it was. Like, yeah. But in this day and age where you've got Avengers level crossovers going on, that's kind of like the the gold standard right there. Mm -hmm. So if if you're not even going to attempt to do that, then I, you're you're fighting a losing game already. Well, and if if your intent is not to do that, then you need to make that clear at the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so people don't go into it thinking, okay, you know, one day these guys are going to meet, and you know, they're going to have this big thing, and just, and it just never happens. Right. Or like you were saying when you have these movies that are not tied into the, just call it the main universe, then people aren't going to go. Cause like you said, why are they, why, why would they invest in this? If it's not part of the larger thing, right? If there is a larger thing and this isn't it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I think the Batman and, and Joker, I guess probably did so well because people went into it with an understanding that this was not part of the main continuity. Mm -hmm. This wasn't Elseworlds story. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I, it's like him saying that, you know, you know, DC may have plans for swamp thing down the line, but you know, with me, this is going to have a big beginning, middle and end, which leads me to believe that he's going to be like, you know, making an end, you know, not necessarily maybe swamp thing, dying but kind of wrapping things up you know yeah um so i was like i, I kind of wonder if <laughs> gun and saffron are, are, are aware of this mentality that he has i'm also i'm kind of put off by the way he says that he's like he wants to make his own frankenstein and it almost kind of sounds like they were like well do you want to make swamp thing and he's like yeah i could make swamp thing into frankenstein it's like but but no but, but, but why 
That's not the idea here. I mean, th- sure, there are parallels. Parallels, sure, yeah. Um, you know, the, the very slim threads that tie the stories, but you know, you're you're, you're really grasping at straws, yeah, to to make one like the other, yeah. So. Like I said, him saying he wants to make Swamp Thing into a gothic horror movie and then following it up by saying he wants to make Frankenstein just sounds like he's trying to make Swamp Thing into his version of Frankenstein. Right. But, I mean, you know, when they made the Swamp Thing TV show, they had the right idea, sort of, in, you know, hiring James Wan to do it because Swamp Thing is a very, you know, as far as DC characters and stories go swamp thing is very horror oriented Mm -hmm. um just because you know it involves a lot of uh um like dark magic um and uh just it's it's he's basically a monster like yeah he yeah he is he's a monster and you know he, he um you know you have like a lot of things like related to the occult um yeah I just I, there there's a there is a, a storyline out there that, that was written by Alan Moore, who's you know one of the greatest authors ever. Um, in, in like if 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 you were to go to something like a comic book collector, you know, a fan, and say which if I'm I'm going to read Swamp Thing, where should what should I read first? They say read Alan Moore's run. I guarantee you. Ten times out of ten, they'll tell you to read Alan Moore. So I, I hope that they they do something along those lines. Yeah, but we'll see. Anyway, so I I, I didn't want that to be so long, but you know, <laughs> in my wheelhouse there. Yeah. <laughs> thing. So Brian Fuller is maybe not best known, but maybe best known for a little show called Hannibal based on a character named Hannibal Lecter, who likes to eat livers with fava beans and Chianti. Now that's, that's more dead man on campus. (laughs) Uh, But Hannibal of course starred Mads Mikkelsen. And it looks like the two are reuniting for a little movie called Dust Bunny. Not a comedy. It is, in fact, a horror movie. Uh, for This is for Thunder Road Pictures, I think. Okay. Uh, filming is already underway. Fuller posted a tweet on his social media account saying, Back in the saddle with this guy, along with a photo of he and Mads Mikkelsen on the set of Dust Bunny. Is Mads Mikkelsen going like this, and then Fuller's going like... I don't know. I didn't look at it. <laughs> like a, like an advertisement for a sitcom? Like a, yeah, or like a buddy cop movie? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brian Fuller. Full of twit? Is that his? Is that the right guy? Maybe. Nope. This guy tweets about Michigan football. Okay. Um, Brian Fuller. Brian Fuller, 10. 
the fuck is a social media account? <laughs> um, Brian Fuller, director. There it is. It's just Brian Fuller. Why was that not the first thing that came up? Figure your shit out, Musk. Somewhere over the rainbow. There it is. Hey, Walmart. (laughs) This looks like a Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) Mads Mickelson has a beard and he's wearing like a like a toque. (laughs) Yep. Um. Let's see. Dust Bunny will tell the story of an eight-year-old girl who enlists the help of her intriguing neighbor, maybe Mads Mikkelsen, uh, who to, knows? to kill the monster under her bed that she believes ate her family. The film was being described as a throwback to the family horror films of the 80s. So like The Gate, like those kind of movies? Is, is that family horror? I would think so. I mean, do they mean like horror movies about families or horror movies for For families? families. That's a good question. Because I feel like horror movies for families, much more limited. Yeah, it's vastly different. Yeah. Like maybe like Gremlins. Right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's that's all I can come up with. Yeah. But like about families, you got like Poltergeist and and And, others. And others. And Poltergeist 2. <laughs> Poltergeist 3, to a lesser extent, there was an aunt and an uncle. Yeah, and a bunch of mirrors. <laughs> so many mirrors. <laughs> Fucking tacky 80s condo. <laughs> uh, Fuller is writing, directing, and producing Dust Bunny, but no word yet on uh, release date or anything like that. See, that's how you beat the system. The whole WGA going on, that's how you beat it. You write, direct, and produce all by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> or I guess you hire SAG writers, because SAG's not on strike. Well, that's for actors. Oh, yeah. What's, there's two writers' unions, though. Is there? I'm pretty sure. I know there's... I mean, there's two actors' guilds. SAG and AFTRA. Yeah. But aren't they together? I think they work... Together, yeah. Yeah. Because you always see SAG AFTRA. Yeah, I think I think AFTRA's Canadian. But I mean there's like there's the DGA, Directors Guild, which apparently just reached a new agreement, and the WGA, which is Writers Guild. <clears throat> I mean there may be like other smaller unions, but you know, maybe for people who don't have their guild card or or whatever, but Yeah, I don't know. This is all authors. That's not the right thing. I don't know. I don't know. Dust Bunny sounds like it could be cool. Sure, yeah. But yeah, the the biggest question is what you said. Like, is it a family horror film, meaning four families, or just about a family? Yeah, I mean the 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 plot sounds like it could be four families, but then also I mean it could be just about a family. So, yeah, but also she believes this monster ate her family. Right. So that leads me to think the family's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Also, my mind immediately goes to plot twist. She killed her family. I was thinking he killed her. Or killed the it. neighbor? Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. It's kind of like a man on man, man on the inside type thing. Mm, yes. Double agent. Yes, inside. 
<laughs> yes, inside yes. good. Maybe <laughs> he ate her family. <laughs> I mean, maybe. He he ha- he you ate he, her. He does have a history of being a cannibal. It's true. He has experience. Yep, he's it's on his resume. Getting a little pigeonholed at this point, but. <laughs> All right, guys, that's horror business. That's it. That was a long one. That's what she said. Hey. <laughs> oh. We were like morning zoo show. I'd play like a siren or a horn or something. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> <Hi>, Poppy. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what was that? Ooga. <laughs> Where's that button? <laughs> what, is, that, what, is that laser beam? <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> that episode's so funny because. Like how they start out doing their podcast reminds me so much of our first episode. <laughs> like when they're interviewing Ben, like, so there's a war going on. Two wars. Two wars. <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, before this episode gets, this long episode Just gets longer than it needs to be. Even further off the rails. Uh, let's uh, talk about some movies. All right, guys, so this is a very special episode. We're going to talk about drugs. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just so you know, I'm holding a pan with an egg in it, and this is your brain on drugs. Yep. So there you go. The more you know. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Don't beat your kids. Or don't, don't, <laughs> don't, smother, don't smother your kids. <laughs> Come home from a long day of work, pour yourself a drink, smother your kids. It's fun, right? No, it's not fun. Don't smother your kids. <laughs> Um, but no, uh, the exciting thing is that you guys helped us pick these, uh, pick these movies. That's right. We had a tournament of 16 films, uh, all ones that we had never done on the show previously, but they were classic films, uh, broke them up into four different categories, did a social media, uh, blast, had a poll and, uh, you guys voted and these are the, the final two. Yeah. And this... Do we start this in March? No. We didn't. Okay. No, we started it in May. Okay. I'm going to say, this is a long time coming. Yeah, no, because I remember putting out a social media post. It was like, screw March Madness. It's mayhem. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. That's the thing. And we called it the final fear. Yep. We did. We did call it that. This is the final fear finals. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, okay. So the two movies... That won the bout. How did my flashlight get turned on? I don't know. Um, are Aliens. James Cameron's film, sequel to Alien. 1986. And, 1986. And the, the, the one that started it all, 1980s, Friday the 13th. Are you surprised that these two won? Not especially. I'm like I no offense, but I'm a little surprised Friday the thirteenth one. I, I thought Halloween would have come out of the slasher bracket. Um. <laughs> uh I will say I will say that of the two, first Halloween, first Friday the thirteenth, I do actually enjoy Halloween more. Oh. Yeah. Franchise wise, not even close. Sure. 
but of the two first movies, yeah, Halloween. And, and I, it sounded like at the end of last episode, you thought that uh, The Fly was going to beat Aliens. Did I say that? You didn't say it, but it just your reaction when I said that Aliens had won. You seemed like you were surprised. Oh. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. I, I, I guess... It, it, I think if I were to pick between the two, I would have picked Fly, the, the Fly. Mm-hmm. But so I mean, I guess just in that, I was surprised. It was a come from behind. Like the Fly was ahead for for a long time, and then there was a little surge at the end. I guess that's why I was surprised because I thought that the Fly was going to run away with it, mm-hmm. or at least that's kind of what I had projected. And then Aliens won. So it's a Cinderella story, you might say. He's <laughs> got that going for it. Um. Okay, so which one are you gonna start with? Uh, let's uh, let's start with Friday the Thirteenth. Hello. Who's that? Oh, hi. What are you doing out in this mess? One. Friday the 13th, uh, of course, the very first film that spawned a franchise of 12 films. Did you even watch it? What? Did you even watch it or you just know it by heart? It was on, but I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, same with Aliens. I mean, I've seen Aliens so many times. Yeah. So. Um, I was telling you this morning, I was like, I, I forgot how long 
Aliens is. Then I was like, it's a James Cameron movie. I should have known. Yeah. And how long is Avatar? Like four yeah. and a half hours or something? It's like probably about 20 hours it's long. It's like probably like forever. I think you have to like pay for like extra long parking. Like you have to camp. Yeah. Because you have to be in the theater overnight. Right. Uh, it takes an intermission of like five hours and then it comes back to run for another like 10 hours. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, Friday the 13th, just a little backstory. Uh, of course, it was like any other slasher film of the era. It was spawned off of, you know, basically trying to rake in money on the popularity of Halloween. Um, this was uh, released in 1980, but, you know, filmed in, in 1979, so a year after Halloween, um, which was probably filmed in 77, I would assume. Probably. So I have no idea. Halloween came out in 78. Yeah. So stands to reason, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this obviously um, was this, maybe not the second to come, but it uh, was probably like the, the most popular and it spawned a series of um, summer camp slashers. This is where it all. They're still going on today. Yep. And this is this is where it all started. It seems like summer camp slashers are kind of like, you know, like evergreen. Yeah, like, it's, it's it's the fucking powerhouse right there. I mean, there's people never get tired of seeing campers get slaughtered. It's true. Um, what is that? It's, it's sick. I'll tell you. I'll <laughs> tell you that. But uh, you know, it's just something within our within our lizard brains, I guess. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, this was, this was. Uh, Directed by Sean S. Cunningham, written by Victor Miller. Um, Which is a whole thing. Spend all day talking about that. Um, uh, obviously, you know, uh, well known for its composition by Harry, Harry Manfredini. Um, and uh, of course, the trademark sound effect. Yes. Um, now. Chi, 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 ha, ha, ha. We all know what it is. <laughs> yep. Now, uh, I mean, of course, this movie is... I thought, you were, I thought you would correct that. Oh. Like, even, like, when they make movies and, like, the studios sell merchandise now, it, it says that on it. Yeah, that's true. So it's like, I guess it just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter to anyone. Nobody cares. It's like, it's like one of those things about how, like, Kleenex has just become the word to mean facial tissues. Yeah. It's just become part of the lexicon, and we just accept it. Now. Yeah. And it's like, you know, <laughs> I guess it doesn't really matter if I'm getting off topic as long as it's about the movie. But, you know, the sound effect was created by Harry Manfredini, um, and it was using the first syllable of kill and the first syllable of, of mommy, which Pamela Voorhees says near the end of the movie, and just like, you know, kick, 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 and but now when they use it, I think when they used it in um, like Freddy vs. Jason, I think in, in the remake, um, and a, probably in Jason X too. I would I would assume, and just like any like modern iteration of Jason, it's not doing that. It's it's a sound effect, right? It's just it's just keys on a keyboard, right? There's something resembling that sound pee 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 boo 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 yeah pee pee boo boo <laughs> pee pee boo boo man <laughs> uh, uh, so my son has started telling us when he's pooped 
Yeah. He's like, he'll grab his butt and go, poo poo. <laughs> you pooped? Okay. And then we'll like be changing his diaper and he'll be like, poo poop. Yep. <laughs> or like, I mean, you, you got to teach him to go poopy. Poopy. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've got our, our handicapped dog and like he can't shit on his own. Like, if it, so if we have to basically make him shit. You have to squeeze him like a tube of toothpaste. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, but no, it's it's like a it's a, like a butthole massage. It's it's a whole oh, thing. I thought it was a squeezing thing. Well, so to to express his bladder, yeah, I kind of got to get around his midsection and kind of find where his bladder is and squeeze it. But to express his bowels, basically, I have to just rub his butthole and starts until he starts pooping. But you know, we just I do that in the living room because you know who, who do I have to. Impress. Put on, <laughs> yeah, put on uh, airs. airs for. Um, but yeah, put down a, a pee pad and I, I do it there. Um, but yeah, my son will stand there and be like, he calls, he calls him Papa. And he says, uh, Papa, poo poo. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Go away, please. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, if, if, it, it almost seems silly to talk about the plot because I think everybody fucking knows it. But um, oh, spoiler warning for both these movies, <laughs> just in case. Yeah. Don't don't get mad yeah, if these, you haven't seen either of these movies. Why are you listening to this podcast? Yeah, these movies have been out of spoiler territory for forty five years. Yeah, it's like oh, I'm gonna listen to this horror movie podcast. You don't listen. You don't like horror movies. I like the contrary. <laughs> Stop it! Don't listen to this. Go away. Uh, so but, the f- but, you know, tell a friend. <laughs> uh, story. So the film opens up uh, at Camp Crystal Lake in 1958. We see uh, a bunch of cancer, uh, camp counselors gathered around uh, the fire, you know, doing what camp counselors do, do singing, you know, Kumbaya, Kumbaya or whatever. And, and, you know, Michael, row your but boat But indoor shore. fire. They're, yeah. in a, they're in a cabin. They're not, like, outside in a, at a fire pit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and um, you know they they're just yeah singing their little little camper songs, singing their heart songs. <laughs> and uh, me so Christmas, me so merry. <laughs> <laughs> and two of them are just eye fucking each other. Oh yeah, like n- no couthness whatsoever. No, it's 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 very uncouth. It's very uncouth. <laughs> um. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, so once they're, once everything kind of, uh, you know, wraps up and everybody's you know, saying goodnight, these two kind of scurry off to, together, uh, into, it's like a barn loft. Yeah. Um, that, this part cracked me up because like I said, they're, they're sitting there, eye fucking each other in front of everyone else. They get up while everyone else is still kind of milling about talking, having conversations. They just get up and walk out holding hands. And then they get to this barn and she's like, someone will see. It's like, everyone knows you guys are fucking. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> you made sick. no qualms about yeah. it when you left the room. Yeah. It's like this one time uh, I was with my girlfriend at the time and <clears throat> we were at her friend's house and then we just got up and went into a bedroom. <laughs> it's like her friend knew what was going it's like, on. Like, hmm, wonder why they, where they went. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, they must be having a very serious conversation <laughs> yeah. in there. 
They didn't even tell us we were they were leaving. <laughs> anyway, what was on How I Met Your Mother? What was the word that <laughs> Lillian Marshall had a word? Whenever Lily would say it, Marshall would be like, "We have to go." <laughs> oh, jeez, I don't know. It's like chimichanga or something. Fuck, I, I don't. And I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of what the word was. Yeah, they thought they were being like covert, but like everyone knew what, right. what it meant. Um. Anyway, so uh, yeah, so they're up in this loft fooling around, and um, we. This is when we're kind of introduced to the first person killer cam uh which you know we obviously saw a good number a good deal of in halloween Mm -hmm. so it's it's not really new territory but familiar territory um so we know what we're dealing with um this person is walking through the camp and you know goes into this area where these two are starting to fool around and we see the person enter the room the kids notice that the person standing there and so, you know, you know, they're all trying to get themselves together. It's like, Oh, well we weren't doing nothing. <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah. Is that why her shirt's off? Is that why you have a boner? <laughs> she was cleaning it. Your boner. She's, she was, she was cleaning something off my pants and it went, and it went off. <laughs> it went off. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, this person murders. Murder. Um, murders these kids. And so we jump ahead. Uh, takes place. In current day. <laughs> current day. <laughs> it says Camp Crystal Lake, present day. Right. Which, of course, is June 13th, which was a Friday. Yeah. 2023. 19, <laughs> 1979. Um, you know, have you ever bothered to check? Is is June thirteenth, nineteen seventy nine, an actual Friday? I don't know. Does it matter? No. <laughs> Interesting to think about. I guess. Hmm? Keep talking. Well, keep foresight. talking. I'll look it up. <laughs> um. So we're we're in the town of Crystal Lake. We see this uh, a young girl walking. She's got her knapsack on. Um, it was in fact a Wednesday. Hmm. Well, then, didn't plan that out well, did they? <laughs> like, why did they make it June? Wait, wait. Well, in 1980, it was a Friday. Was it? Yeah. Mm. Maybe it was supposed to be. Did, did it, it didn't say June 13, 1979, did it? No, it said present day. Okay. It, it said Friday, June 13th, present day. Hmm. Because I don't, I don't recall it ever saying a specific year. Or even mentioning what month it was, for that matter. Just saying that it was Friday the 13th. Or, or yeah, they said Friday the 13th, so we know it's the 13th. But it didn't say even the month. I don't, re- I don't remember, recall. It says, it says Friday, June 13th, present day. That's what it says. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So let's just say it's 1980, because that's when the movie came out. Yeah. <laughs> Seems so, so they did have foresight. They, a year in, in advance. Yeah, they like looked at the calendar and they were like, well, this will set it on this day because that's a Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, Friday the 13th is is historically considered an unlucky day. And that's so kind of... It's a monster day, as Charlie called it. Monster day. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that was just something Sean Cunningham did when... when uh, so he took out an ad in Variety 
And it was like this, you know, very like ambiguous ad talking about Friday the 13th, how it was, you know, like like an unlucky day or, you know, or this and that. But he hadn't even finished the script yet. Or sorry, uh, Victor Miller hadn't even finished the script yet. So he's like taking out this ad advertising this movie that didn't even exist. (laughs) Bold. Yeah. Well, yeah, the whole venture was very bold. Anyway, so uh, yeah, this this girl is uh, her name is Annie. She's walking through town. Um, she walks into a diner, um, and uh, you know, just says, "Hey, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get up to Crystal Lake or Camp Crystal Lake." <laughs> yeah, pretty much the whole diner looks at him because they know that that camp is now known as Camp Blood on account of what all the bad shit that's happened there over the years. Not only did were two counselors, two counselors killed in 1958, but a boy drowned in 1957. And then in the years after that, there have been, uh, see, they tried to open, reopen it once and there was bad water. Um, you said there was multiple fires. Multiple fires. Um, so there's just a, a, a ongoing you know, cycle of bad shit happening. Well, it's got a death curse, as as we've been told by Crazy Ralph, who is uh, this old man who lives in town. He's the he's the harbinger. Is this the first harbinger? I mean, there wasn't really a harbinger in Halloween. No, I'm trying to think if there maybe have been some. There were some like maybe like old horror movies that not necessarily slashers. Because it doesn't need to be a slasher to be to, to have a harbinger. Sure. Um, I'm sure there have been others. I just can't think of any. I feel like Ralph's like the most famous, though. Like, oh yeah, he's kind of like the, the he's the one that everyone parodies. Yeah, he he's the uh, the archetype. I think. Yeah. Um. Anyway, with his bucket hat. <laughs> right. Uh. So he he comes in, you know, telling him not to tell him this. Annie not to go up to Camp Crystal Lake because it's got a death curse and uh, you know everybody up there is going to hell. <laughs> um, uh, but this this trucker who's who's eating in the diner agrees to take her like halfway up to the camp. Um, and uh, so along the way, he's saying you know he's explaining all this bad shit that's happened there. It's like you know. It's Steve Christie's guy who's opening the camp. You know, he's saying he has no business opening that place up again. It's just been a series of bad events. And he says, you know, if you can get he's my recommendation to you is to quit. Don't go up there. Just get out of it. Quit. Um, and she kind of brushes him off, and he he drops her off. So, you know, at a crossroads nearby the camp. She's walking down the road, and a jeep pulls up alongside her and says, "Hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to Camp Crystal Lake. Can you give me a ride?" And she hops in, and then she quickly finds out that this is our killer. I mean, we pretty much know just on account of the the first person camera. Yeah. She jumps out of the van. This person chases her down and this slits part her throat. Felt very porny. Well, yeah, it's it's a low budget movie from the seventies. <laughs> just like the first person perspective and stuff, it's just like, oh, I don't have any money to pay you for a ride, <laughs> but maybe we can work something else out. 
Made me think of uh, Detroit Rock City when they would go to pick up the hitchhiker, and the guy's like, "They make horror movies to start that way." The Jay ripoff guy is like, "Yeah, but they make pornos to start that way too, man." (laughs) Um. (laughs) So back up at the camp, or back we're at the camp. We're introduced to Steve uh, fucking hot pants, Steve Christie. <laughs> With his sweet bandana. <laughs> Why is he wearing that? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I can't, like. It's the 70s, man. <laughs> like, if I didn't know better, I'd say he was going to like a pride parade or something. You're right. Because he's wearing cut off jeans, no shirt, and a bandana tied around his neck. Not like. Not like a like a bandit bandana or something that would be utilitarian in any form. Yeah, like he's chopping wood. So like theoretically he could have had it like over his mouth to make sure, you know, nothing flew up in his face, like sawdust or anything. But no, he's got it like tied around his neck. Like a kerchief. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what's going on. But yeah, he's he's wearing his fucking like like Freddy from Scooby Doo or something. I yeah. guess his was more of a an ascot, but Yeah. Um but uh, no shirt, no shirt, tiny little shorts and fucking boots. Yep. <laughs> like Tim's. <laughs> um, and he's, he's just chopping wood. And so these uh, these can't. Also, camp- he just has a mustache. Right. Another thing that would lead to the pride parade. Right. Um, Not that all men with mustaches are gay. Yeah, we both have mustaches. But we all we have full beards. Well, yeah. And I don't mean our significant others. Hey, oh. <laughs> um, <okay. laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, we see the arrival of some camp counselors headed up by one Kevin Bacon. Oh, shit. This movie just got bacon. Uh, of course, just, not in his first role. Just remember, I'm sure you could do it by memory, but don't walk through the whole movie. <laughs> So the camp uh, counselors arrive, and you know Christy puts them puts them to work, and uh, we meet. He tries to fuck Alice. Yeah, Alice played you know by Adrian King. You know probably the most one of the most well known final girls, particularly in the um, in the uh, the Friday Thirteenth franchise. Um, he's like, I like your Prince Valiant haircut. <laughs> yeah, just kind of like this page boy. Is that right, page boy? Is that the right haircut? Or it's a bob? Uh, it's the squire, squire cut? It's kind of a page boy. Page boy looks like Will Byers. Okay. So yeah, yeah. That, then, then that. Um, and yeah, she's got like her style is very Laurie Strode. It's very, yeah, very, um, you know, girl next door kind of button down. Yep. And, um, yeah, so all the cans... <laughs> Sorry, I searched for, for a squire haircut. I got a picture of um, fucking Mark Davis. <laughs> Such a goofy looking motherfucker. He, it's like he's been doing that for so long. He consciously knows what he's doing. He has to. He can't be that inept. Anyway. <laughs> he made a um, million dollars. Um, yeah, so the counselors are all, you know, there. They're getting, they're getting to work, getting the place fixed up. Um, uh 
we, we get the impression that Steve and Alice have had some kind of maybe like a one nighter, some kind of tryst. Yeah, because he says, "Give you another chance." Yeah. Um, but they, they never really play into that at all. No, they don't. Um, I don't think we we get a lot of like uh, in, uh you know interaction from the killer much at this point. It pretty much. Yeah, there's later. kind of some, um, you know, there's like a jump scare with a snake, kind yeah. of a, um, a false flag kind of thing. Yeah, and there's like legitimate or like actual animals cruelty and slaughter, and so that, that's kind of this movie. Oh, is that right? That, that was a real snake. That was a real snake. Um, so it kind of it's not as uh, belligerent as like Cannibal Holocaust, sure, but you know it happened. And it, that's it's unfortunate. Yeah, that's something that this movie's had to kind of deal with over the years. Uh, how that's become more, um, uh, what's the word? Un- uncouth. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so Steve, you know, he says oh, I got to run off into, t- into town to to get some get some shit, get some cutoffs, and <laughs> <laughs> I got to get more bandanas. <laughs> Um, mustache wax. <laughs> <laughs> so he takes off, and you know he's left these kids all alone. Um, and uh, as you know, as night falls, that's when you know, all these kids start getting 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 horny, mur- mur- Hort- horned up. Well, yeah, uh, they start playing strip poker and no, no, know, strip monopoly. Sorry, strip strip monopoly. That's what I meant. Um, and you know, uh. And just um, just when Alice is about to take her top off, suddenly everyone has to leave. Right. That's uh, when. Um, but it's funny because like Alice was in a bikini earlier in the movie. Was she? She was in a bikini top and and uh, denim shorts, but like the same amount that if she had taken her top off, she would have been <laughs> covering the same amount. Sure. Makes sense. When they, when they're at the on the dock at the dock, yeah. Okay. That was it's such a brief scene i guess it doesn't really stick in my yeah. memory anyway so yeah um you know kevin kevin bacon which uh jack takes takes his takes his gal off with him jack bacon yeah i can't remember i honestly i have the most trouble remembering the characters names in this movie well, they're all kind of they're fodder fodder yeah it's superfluous um but yeah, he takes her off to give her a little bacon. Give her a little sausage. <laughs> <laughs> pork product of some sort. Oh, they're, um, oh, they're going to pork all right. <laughs> Do you think when he like has sex with his wife, he finishes and just is like, you just got bacon? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she's like, Kira Sedgwick, she's just like, I'm fucking sick of it. She's like, every fucking time, really? <laughs> um, and uh, or is just, she into it? She's just like, yeah, bacon, me. Just give me that bacon. <laughs> you know, the bacon bits. I don't know what that would be. <laughs> but you gotta throw the bacon bits in there somehow. Well, yeah, because they put them in her hair. Put them in her hair. <laughs> rain down, makes it look like a cob salad. <laughs> Um. So yeah, I mean they're off. They're off banging. She takes off to what, go to the bathroom or something. And uh, this is when we get clean the, all the bacon bits off her. This is when we get the infamous uh, 
you know, um, spear through the throat scene. Yep. Um, uh, but, 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 and yeah, people are just kind of getting picked off left and right. And fun this. fact, you can go see the actual dummy from this scene in, uh, at, uh, uh, oh, the mystic museum in California. Currently. As of last year or as of 2021. Oh, uh, so I don't know so many things have changed there. Well, last time I went, it was there. I was there in January, and I, I don't recall. Oh, well, and maybe it's not there anymore. Anyway. It was not in good shape, so. Well, you don't say. Uh, irregardless. That is not a word, sir. Yeah, I think it is actually in the dictionary now. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're not just going to succumb to stupidity. <laughs> but it's it's really like just like a evolution of the language, though. Or, you know, de-evolution, however you want to look at yeah. it. <laughs> look at it. Um, anyway, so yeah, these kids are getting picked off left and right by some unknown killer. Uh, we can only presume it's the same killer from... Yeah, as of 2021, it was there. Okay, maybe I did see that and just didn't notice it. Uh, anyway, so they... Um, Let's see. Uh, yes, okay, so the kids are getting killed, um, and you know, Christy, he's down in town, and he, he heads back, and his, his jeep breaks down. Um, you know, we he gets a ride back to the camp from a cop, but you know, he's walking through the the rain and in the dark, and uh, you know, he he sees you know he gets a flashlight shine in his face and. We know that this is somebody he knows. He's, he's familiar with this, so it makes you think, "Oh, was this one of the counselors? Right? Who's who's this killer?" Um, he says, "You know, hey, what are you doing out here? And you know, in this mess." And that's when he gets. We don't actually see what happens, but you know, gets stabbed in the stomach. Presumably. He gets dead. Um, and yeah, so it all gets you know. This the, the, there's always this gratuitous scene in in most slasher movies where the final girl sees all the dead bodies you know just one by one you know she opens a door dead body pops out she you know she runs into a bedroom a dead body pops out all the you know this scene that we get in almost every slasher movie um and we find out that you know she is the final girl um and that's when you know salvation comes in uh, Mrs. Voorhees, Pamela Voorhees, she's the, uh, she used to be the cook at the old camp when it was still open. She's a friend of the Christie family. And, you know, um, Alice is saying, oh, you know, they're all dead. They're all dead. You know, just being, um, uh, not ecstatic, uh, hysterical. Um, and you know, she says, you know, okay, let me go look. And she says, Oh no! You know what? A, what a mess! This just shouldn't have happened. You know, they, Steve shouldn't have tried to reopen the camp. Did you know that years ago, a young boy, a young, young boy, boy uh, drowned here? And you know, she says the camp counselors—they were off making love because that's what they call it—they were <laughs> making love. Sure, they were baconing. <laughs> um, 
And uh, so they should have been paying attention. And like, it, it makes me wonder because I feel like even before I'd seen this movie, I already knew who, you know, Mrs. Voorhees was. Because, you know, Jason sure. at, was already the primary focus. Yeah, he was already in the zeitgeist. By yeah. Um, and so when I saw this, it wasn't really a big shock. But I kind of wonder if, if at this point in the movie, during its original run, you know, people seeing it for the very first time, if they knew that she was the killer. Because it's hard for me to gauge. Yeah. It's a really good point. Like, we think of it as a twist because in our in our mind, like you said, we already know who Jason is. And so we're thinking it's Jason. Yeah. But it's not really a twist. Yeah. No, I mean, at no point in this movie do they hint that it could be Jason. Right. Jason is a boy who drowned. Actually, we don't even know his name until the end of the until movie. Until this moment. Uh yeah, and we find out that today is his birthday. Yeah. June, you know, June thirteenth, Friday the thirteenth is, is Jason's birthday. That's a really good point. Yeah, I would love to to talk to somebody who saw this in theaters and then know like what their initial reaction of the, the big reveal of Mrs. Voorhees was. Yeah. I, I, mean, I asked my dad, but I don't know if he actually saw this in theater or not. Um You know, Jason Mortensen, his his, his reaction would have been like, damn, she's hot. Yeah. Oh, she fine. <laughs> Um, Remember when he kept telling us about like how attractive we thought Betsy Palmer was, and then he started showing us old pictures, and we're like, "No, no, that's not what you said." <laughs> you can't qualify it after the fact. <laughs> anyway, um, but you know, regardless of whether people knew or not at the time, it's we we know now that she is the killer because she starts becoming delusional and you know saying you know thinking alice had something to do with the counselors who let her son drown yeah basically blaming current counselors for something that happened 22 years ago yeah and this is where all the pieces start coming together that you know she's the one who killed the counselors in 58 she's the one who poisoned the water she's the one who set all the fires she's the one that's been keeping this camp from reopening for all these years um and now she starts attacking alice um, you know, they do, you know, this cat and mouse thing throughout the camp. Um, I, I would like to talk for roughly four hours about this fight choreography <laughs> in that it's very poor. It's so bad. <laughs> also the noises that Betsy Palmer makes. It's like Alice hits her with a frying pan in the face and she's like, <laughs> and she falls just like, <laughs> so over the top. You know, it's funny that they that Betsy Palmer put in the performance that she did. You know, I would have thought it'd be uh, much worse because if was, our if our call, was she the one that said she only took the role because she needed a car? Yeah, I, I can't remember if she needed to buy a new car or if she needed to fix her car. But yeah, that's why she took the role. So just strictly for money. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like a movie like this, why else would you take the role? Sure, you just. No, nobody was in this movie because they believed in it, you know. <laughs> uh, and it, at this point, you know, it obviously didn't have the legacy. It's like if right. I think now, if somebody said, "Hey, you want to be in a Friday Thirteenth movie?" Oh, absolutely, fuck, fuck yeah, yeah. Um, but back then, you know, even even if uh, Halloween, you know, if somebody said you want to be in Halloween too, 
I think people would probably say, mm, what's it pay? Like, yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so yeah, they they get in, into this tussle. Um, Alice breaks away and picks up the machete. Uh, because I, I I don't know, it cracks me up every time. But um, Pamela tries to stab Alice with the machete, and they're on the beach, and she tries to st- like Alice is laying down, and she tries to stab her downwards, and Alice moves. And she just like stabs the machete into the sand and then falls forward. <laughs> um, anyway, so they, uh, yeah, so Alice picks up the machete and comes running at Ms. Voorhees and swings and depacketates her. And a, a little um, kind of Easter egg, if you call it that, is that the headless body was I can't remember who it was shit but it was a man so when the head gets cut off you see these hands come up those are man hands? those are man hands if you look at it they're fucking hairy as shit they're like big giant man hands like fucking Seinfeld (laughs) it's not a twist off yeah (laughs) (laughs) cracks a lobster (laughs) Yeah, I love like after she gets her head cut off, and then she's like the the hands are just like ah, <laughs> like yeah, where's my head? Body come. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so after that, after this you know uh, harrowing ordeal, instead of like you know leaving the camp or finding a car, you know probably Ms. Voorhees' car, which I'm sure is still in working order, uh, she instead. Uh, pulls a canoe out into the into the lake and just passes Collapses. out. Uh I don't know why that would I don't, I don't understand the logic. Yeah. Uh Unless she was just so tired, just couldn't bother to take another step and just, just fucking lay down. <laughs> there, there's a cabin. There's so many cabins. <laughs> That's a good point. Lay down in her bed. Um or, but, but I think the most important thing is you get to town and you call the police. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so she, she wheels herself out into the lake and falls asleep. She wakes up the next morning to a cop car, you know, and, you know, f- from the shore, a cop trying to wave her down. And, you know, she's just kind of like barely waking up. And then up from the lake springs Jason. Ah, he's still a boy somehow. <laughs> and pulls her down into the water. The water? The water. <laughs> um, That's a, this, this is in New Jersey, not not Philly, though. Philly, they say water. Right. Pretty sure New Jersey, they would say water. Water. Um, and, uh, and that's when Alice wakes up. In the hospital. Jason would be like, hey, yous, come into the water. <laughs> I got yous. <laughs> you imagine if Jason ever spoke and he talked like that? <laughs> talked like some New Jersey gangster. <laughs> some fucking And also fucking to use. <laughs> um... Okay. She wakes up in the hospital. 
um, you know, doctor and in uh, a and a police officer in the room. This is a uh, you know Miss K- uh, she have a last name. Uh, nope, not credited. Anyways, okay. Hardy, a uh, Hardy apparently. All right. Well, she's, okay. So, you know, says Miss uh, the police would like to speak with you. And I like at no point do they give her like this fucking like you know interrogation. I mean, obviously she's <laughs> right? not, she's she's the only survivor in this camp. And presumably, the only hand, you know, she's the last one to handle the machete who decapitated somebody. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine there's a lot of evidence pointing towards Ms. Voorhees being the murderer of these other people because they didn't find her for fucking 20, 25 years, however long. So apparently she's been good at covering her tracks. Oh, shit, I got a blood blister. Ouch. Um. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I think she would be the number one suspect, or at least a person of interest. You would, moi. You, you would think. <laughs> uh, but she's not even like handcuffed to the bed or anything. Nope. Um. But yeah, just like uh, you know, well, you know, you've been through quite the ordeal, so you know, just rest. And we'll we'll talk to you later. She's like, but what about the boy? The cop says, boy? What? She's like, yes, the boy that in the lake. He pulled me down in, in, under the water. The, the water. She's <laughs> like, miss, we didn't find any boy. He's like, but then he's still out there. But he's not. He's not out there because he's a little boy, and the little boy who drowned was... He drowned. He's dead. He died. Many years ago. Yeah. So long ago. He's so dead. <laughs> and, you know, chances are they probably pulled his body out of the lake, too. Probably. They, I doubt they'd leave it down there. Or it got, like, decomposed and eaten by fish or something. Like, <laughs> Yeah, algae. Yeah. Because it's a lake and lakes are fucking And it's disgusting. in New Jersey. <laughs> uh, and that's where it ends. Uh, with, a, with, a, with a pan... You know, a long pan and scan of the uh, of the lake because maybe Jason's still under there. Maybe, but no, he's not. But he's not. Like he originally wasn't. He was not. And then, even in the sequel, we know he wasn't because he never was. Right. Um, and it, it always cracked me up in part two where they're like, "They never found his body." It's like, well, how they did they just assume he was still dead just because they never found his body? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. It's not like you, well, actually you do find out or you discover that uh, in 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 um, Jason Takes Manhattan, that Crystal Lake actually is an open lake. That's true, yeah. But we don't know that at the time. But I mean, they have funerals for people that are missing. They just, you know, legally legally dead. Legally deed. Yeah. Um, But like, they just assumed he drowned, and then they never found his body. They just called off the search. But it's like it's a lake. Just drag the lake. He's, he's in there somewhere. <laughs> in theory. As long as his body just turned to dust <laughs> and just drifted away. <laughs> um. Anyway. So, uh, 
it seems silly to to like discuss and break this because it's like it's got a legacy attached to it. I mean, it's so old and it's got an entire franchise to to, to pick this what particular one and discuss it. I guess because we didn't have the 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 option of not having the legacy attached to it like we yeah this we can't watch this with new eyes yeah i mean at the point you know when when you were born there were three movies when i was born there were five um they come out every year they're they're coming out almost annually for a while um and uh so i mean and you know in our formative years there was nine of them <laughs> um yeah so we didn't really have the uh the experience of this being a kind of a standalone film even though that experience didn't last for very long <clears throat> so uh it's hard to say you know lo- like look at this for what it is i guess without yearning for at least for me because you know i my I'm so passionate about this franchise without yearning for, for Jason, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so and what are your thoughts on the, on it? Um, I mean, just doing my best to look at it on its own merits. Uh, I think it's paced pretty well. Um, it's, you know, it's so funny to watch like a newer Friday the 13th movie and it's just like, kill after kill after kill after kill. And this one is, is a relatively low body count. Yeah. But, um, I think that the way it's paced is done really well, except for the, the final like chase. It, it's, I just found myself being like, just fucking catch her already. Like, yeah. come on, <laughs> what are we doing? Cause it's like, she would just run and then hide. And we would just sit and watch her hide for a little bit until finally Pamela found her. And it's just like, why do you keep hiding? Like, right. She's going to find you. You need to either fight or get the fuck out of there. Right. Or go out and, Get the boat. Go out to the lake. Fuck it, hey. I mean, she'd have to get another boat. And then what What, what are you going to do then? Are you going to fight on boats? Just boat fight? It's like, I probably, ha- I, I'm younger. I can stay up longer. And I have a stronger bladder than you. <laughs> I can be out here all day. I don't think Pamela would worry about pissing herself. Maybe not. But anyway. Anyway, yeah. Um yeah, the for you know it's funny. This is a five hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget and a fifty nine point eight million dollar box office. Um, is that like to date though? I, I don't know. It doesn't say. <laughs> but, um, you know, for being a, a small budget movie from the late seventies eighties, um, the acting is pretty pretty good. You know, some of the lines are a little little hokey and hard to do anything with, but, um, but yeah, just that, that fight choreography was cracking me up because it was so bad. And like I said, just Betsy Palmer, just like throwing herself around mm-hmm. and just being like, <laughs> when she got hit, just hamming it up. Yeah. Um, that took me out of it a little bit, but I mean, for what it is, it's, it's a rock solid movie. Um, I, I, honestly never even thought about what you said about how, you know, this, people watching it for the first time didn't know Jason. They didn't 
think that the killer was Jason. There, there was no preconceived notions in this movie. Yeah. And so, you know, like I said, when we watch it, the reveal of Pamela is a twist because they, it, to, to us, they want you to think it's Jason, but that's not actually the case. That's just something we made up in our minds. Yeah. And even in like, <clears throat> you know, when, when Pamela shows up and she says, hi, uh, you know, I'm Mrs. Voorhees. I'm a, I'm a friend of the Christie's. You know, as, as, as innocent as could be. When that happens, you and I watch it, or, you know, anybody of our generation watches it, or really anybody who has seen Friday the 13th movies. Anybody who has heard the name Jason Voorhees. Yeah. They watch it and she pops up and it's like, oh, well, she's the killer. Yeah. I already know she's the killer. But like if somebody's sitting in the theater in 1980 watching this and Miss Voorhees pops up. Says, hi, Mrs. Voorhees, I'm a friend of the Christie's. Do you suspect her? No. You think, oh, you better get the fuck out of there, lady. Yeah. Get out, lady. All the time. Pa pa pa. Um uh, da, da, da. Oh wow. It's a it box office. It opened uh about 1,100 theaters. It earned 5.8 million in its opening weekend. Wow. Before finishing domestically with 30, 39.7. That's impressive for a movie with a $550,000 budget. Yeah. Worldwide gross was 59. So, um, I wonder if that is adjusted. Um. Anyway, but yeah, so it's like I've always wondered that watching this, like, would I have been surprised, or would I have seen that coming? I mean, like, not necessarily seen. It's like, oh well, you know, it's got to be the cook from from the fifties, right? <laughs> Who else could it be? Um, and it's it's probably that the mother of that child that they mentioned once. Um. And. Uh, but it's like when. The way she was presented, how she comes in at the end of the movie, where there's literally nobody else that could be the killer. Like any suspect up to this point is dead. Yeah. And then Pamela shows up. Especially after the scene with, with Christy. Yeah. Um, I do think you have to instantly suspect her. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, I... I if you I, know anything about horror movies. Yeah. And it's like, that. that's kind of what it is. I, like, I pick movies apart like that. And it's like... I mean, I, I try not to, but, you know, my, my brain kind of does its own thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I wonder what the what the in-theater experience would have been like. It's like if you would have seen that coming, if you instantly suspected her, or if it was a surprise when she's you know, starts getting crazy and, and you know, starts swinging weapons at her. Yeah. Also, I had this Mandela effect with this movie where I was like, towards the end, I was like, Wait, there was there's no like legend of Jason. No, yeah. Because you think of you know like the sequels and then especially like the remake, they they talk about Jason was this boy who drowned and then he came back and killed everybody. Mm-hmm. And so like I in my mind I just kind of thought that was this movie. And so then when it was Pamela, there it was this twist. But then like as I was watching it, it got to the end and I was just like, wait, no one's talked about Jason. Like there was no you know ghost story around the campfire. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's really why this movie is almost in a, in a, in a different franchises. Like it's almost, 
it's tenuously related to the first film. Yeah. Um, or sorry, this film is tenuously related to the rest of the franchise, uh, which made the whole Sean Miller, Victor Miller, or sorry, Sean Cunningham, Victor Miller th- legal thing made the whole th- made it all so stupid. Yeah, because the whole Jason legacy was based on a minor mention in the first movie, right? Which you know, it's like I. I didn't necessarily side with Cunningham because I think he's kind of a douchebag, like a serious douchebag. But like I, streak, you know, speaking strictly from a, a legal slash business sense, I sided with him because Victor Miller signed on to do a single movie, and this whole franchise, you know. He he wrote a movie about a, uh, a a summer camp where a woman named Pamela Voorhees killed a bunch of kids. The sequel was about Jason. Yeah, happened actually, and the second movie didn't even take place at Camp Crystal Lake. It took place in the town of Crystal Lake. So that's why I thought the whole legal battle was stupid. I felt like it was baseless. I mean, I'm I'm a lawyer, obviously, but. Just seems so silly to me. Yeah. Anyway, um, as far as the entire franchise goes, this is probably middle of the pack for me. Um, I put you know several movies ahead of this one, but uh, like like you said, you know it, it's paced very well. It um, you know despite being you know, heavily inspired by Halloween, it doesn't really uh, use a, a lot of the same tropes, and it's definitely not the same story. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, has more uh, old horror um, notions about it. You know, it's kind of not necessarily a, a specific movie, but like, like kind of like Hitchcock type stuff. Um, in that, you know, you don't know who the killer is and you kind of get like a first person view of the killer. Um, that, that just reminds me of a lot of like old, like sixties, like thriller horror type stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, like as franchise goes, this is not near my favorite. Um, cause I've always thought that Jason was, was the superior, uh, antagonist. But, you know, thinking about it on its own, yeah, it's a very well-done movie, um, despite its low budget. And, you know, it was obviously a cash grab. Oh, yeah. Like, every, everything about this screams cash grab, but, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's pretty good. What's your favorite kill? Um, it's hard to say because there's not a lot of, like, there's not a lot of blood. Yeah. And it's not, not like super effects heavy, but yeah. Uh, I mean, probably Pamela, probably, I would think, like the decapitation. I like the axe to the face. I thought that was pretty good. The axe to the face. Why am I totally spacing on that I think, one? I think, it was, I think her name's Macy. Right off the one that got vacant in the bathroom. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. It's good. Good. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's good. Um. I think I'll give it a six. Yeah. Yeah. Are you between six and seven? Yep. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I guess I, I can't go higher than you. <laughs> you're the whole Friday the 13th guy. You so. can if you want. So sixes. All right. Up next is a little little movie from 1986, sequel to Alien, called Aliens. Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back, but to wipe them out. That's the plan. It's like I said, sequel to Alien uh, features Sigourney Weaver as Ellen Ripley uh, reprising her role. And we find out that she has been in stasis for 57 years after the events of the first movie. It, that's, that's another one of those things where it's like, I mean, similar to Friday the 13th. It's like, would that have been a surprise? Or, I mean, is that something they, they advertised ahead of time? Like, I doubt it. It's like... You know, sitting in the audience watching this, it's like, oh shit, 57 years. Or if it was just like, oh, okay, whatever. Oh, she looks good for a woman in her 70s. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, since so she's been in stasis, she like hasn't aged and she still looks like she's in her 20s. Um, oh, by the way, this is the. Uh, regular cut is the one we're going to be talking today and not the extended cut with, with the extra 17 minutes. Right. You know, it's funny because I feel like I've, I've most often watched the extended cut and without even realizing it because I'm watching this and like realizing there's scenes that I remember that I'm not seeing on screen. Mm. <laughs> 
But so she gets awoken by Paul Reiser. That's right. Mad about you. Mr. Mad about you. And, you know, he tells her she's been in the States for 57 years and that the the colony where the, the Nostromo was um, is now a terraforming community. They're basically looking to terraform this entire uh, area because, you know, once you ruin your own planet, then you try and terraform Mars. Uh, but they have lost contact with, with this um, ship or I guess or it's a moon, right? Yeah. It's an ex says exo moon. What is an exo moon? I'm not sure what that term is, but. Oh, apparently it's, it's, it's like a, a moon that orbits another moon. That's okay. <laughs> you know, some planets have more than one moon. Sure. Yeah. So the, 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 this is a moon that orbits another moon. Instead of orbiting the planet, I guess. Okay, I just I don't recall ever seeing that before. I don't or, or know that I have either. Hearing but. It. but so they've lost communication with this uh, this moon. And so they need Ripley to go back out there. Yeah, and this is like after, like, you know, she basically kind of goes through what it seems almost like, a, like the civilian version of a court-martial because of what happened. Oh, yeah. Because she, you know, she blew up millions of dollars if not billions of dollars of company money uh when she when she blew up her she blew up the nostromo just write it off just write it off <laughs> that's you, for the fat know, cats and do you know what a write-off is <laughs> no but they do, do and they're the ones writing it off <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah that's what she kind of regales her tale of what happened on LV-426 and they're just like just, just a you know, they don't seem to believe her yeah it's just a just please do not send anybody back there it's like we've had people there for 20 years and they've never said a word right it always struck me as odd though that if they've been there for 20 years and that it just so happens to, to start acting up when she wakes up from cryostasis like did they did they wake her up? Wait, what? Did they did they pull her out of stasis to send her on this mission? Well, no, because they they found the ship or the the, the rescue sh- or the um, lifeboat that she was floating aimlessly in. That's why she was asleep for fifty seven years, and then they woke her up because she was frozen, <laughs> right? But they, I'm just saying, they could like they could have just. Could have just let her sleep. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so she says, you know, not a chance in hell, but uh, Paul Reiser. No chance. No chance in hell. You got. So Paul Reiser, you know, convinces her, tells her that he can like uh, restore her, her status with the, with the, the, the Marines. No, the company. Wayland Utani. I thought it was like a military outfit that he was saying that he could. Anyway, he gives her this card that's like a hard, like a hard plastic card. It's, a, it's his business card essentially, but it's like a hard plastic. And I was like, "That's cool. That's baller." <laughs> like to just give that away, like that's gonna be expensive. Yeah, but then you find out it's even cooler because she plugs it into a machine and it like video chats him. And I'm like, they don't even have that now. Like, 
Yeah. And you could probably like scan a barcode and open a, a yeah, QR code or something. Yeah, yeah, and open a FaceTime or something. But, yeah. But she basically says, you know, all right, fuck it, I'm in. And so she teams up with these Marines, this ragtag group of gruff but lovable Marines, <laughs> headlined by the late, the great, immortal Bill Paxton. One love. Coco Pete himself. Um, and yeah, they're all kind of goofing off, you know, saying, oh, I can't wait to shoot some aliens and stuff. And Ripley's just like, you guys don't understand. Like, you don't know what you're in for. Yeah, they're going to fuck you up. Yeah. But so they travel to this LV-426 moon. And the the colony is just destroyed. It's just ravaged. And they find this lab full of all these tanks, and they're all full of face huggers. Hey, which, as we know, the face huggers like attach themselves to your face, and you got this little thing. Oh. And it goes in your mouth, and then they impregnate you with aliens. It's, it's and rape. It, it's mouth rape. Yeah. It's borderline rape. <laughs> and then the aliens burst out of your chest and sing, hello, my darling. Hello, my baby. <laughs> hello, my ragtime gal. But two of these face huggers are still alive. And one of them, like, tries to hump Paul Reiser's face through the glass. And one of those guys is like, it looks like love at first sight to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so there, there, there's no sign of the xenomorphs or any other kind of life other than these, these face huggers. And so Bill Paxton is doing a sweep on, you know, on the computer. And he says, you know, if there's anything there, this, this will find them. But he keeps searching, doesn't find anything until finally he finds the whole colony underneath these uh, cooling tanks. And so they, they send in the group to go and rescue him. But as they're going, they uh, Ripley says, you know, if, if they were to shoot and hit this cooling tank, it's going to go boom. And basically we're all going to die. Yeah. It's like Paul Reiser who, who, or Burke, Burke. Yeah. Uh, who, who works for the company, the, you know, the company who designed all this stuff. says, yeah, yeah. You're talking about a thermonuclear explosion. I just said nuclear. God damn it. You idiot. Thermonuclear. You know why? It's because he said nuclear, nuclear. Did he? And I remember thinking, God, you fucking idiot. <laughs> I didn't notice. Uh, but yeah, said uh, you're talking about a thermonuclear nuclear uh, explosion here. So maybe back off. Yeah, and like on, on the way, the um, walls are all covered in like alien goo and all kinds of other HR Geiger nightmares. <laughs> um, and they also find some some eggs that have been opened and, and some dead face huggers as well as they they find some of the colonizers like in cocoons and one of them is still alive until a chest burster flies out of their chest. Yeah. I didn't want to say burst out of their chest, but it's 
I, I got caught. <laughs> this, so, go ahead. Sorry, this is um, this is so. I mean, like you know, in the first Alien movie, we're seeing all this on a much smaller scale and so contained because this took you know the entire movie, or almost the entire movie took place on a ship. Yeah. Whereas this one took place on in a in a colony, you know, a planet for all intents and purposes, uh, and so we're seeing much more of the alien, you know, the xenomorph colonization that we didn't see in the first movie. Yeah. So you know the things you associate with xenomorphs now. This is when you're first seeing this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in in the first movie, you know, you see. Um, uh, the um, oh Christ, what are they called? <sighs> the big fucking aliens that they introduced in in um, um, Covenant was that the first one? Anyway, my my point is, there's just a lot of you're getting a lot of new stuff. You're seeing kind of an expansion of the, of what you saw in the first movie, yeah, which is always what you should try to aim aim to do. You know, sure. But yeah, so now they know that there's something bad ahead. But um, Corporal Hicks, the guy who's who's running the operation, says, you know, Michael Beans, Mike, Michael Beans, yeah, <laughs> he says, no, like no, nobody shoot. He says, fire only. And so he says, you know, click, collect everyone's magazines. And the sergeant or whatever he is, he collects everybody's magazines, so he thinks. Except for um, what's her name, Vasquez? Yeah, yeah. She's she's got a couple, couple hidden ones. And in, so in her boobies. In, in well, no. <laughs> she had them hidden in her shirt. I thought they were they were in her like backpack. So I, she, I thought I, I remembered her pulling them out of the front of her shirt. I thought she reached backwards. I don't know. It, she had a lot of gear, so it's maybe hard to tell. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, so these aliens start coming out of the walls. Like the walls just open up and aliens start crawling out. And so she starts blasting. So I start blasting. <laughs> and Ripley's just like, what the fuck is going on? And, and Hicks just like, I said no fire. Well, he did say fire. It's confusing because he said you can use fire, but don't fire your weapon. It's, it's too much, too much fire. It's a lot of firing. It's, yeah. Um, luckily they don't explode the whole colony, but, um, somebody gets killed here, right? Yeah. Just, I mean, there's, there's a lot of these Marines who are just kind of there for cannon fodder. Like, yeah. don't really even know their names. <laughs> yeah. But then like one guy gets acid on him. Um. This is where Paxton gets the acid on him, right? Uh, one guy gets like acid in the face and just dies, but then I think Paxton gets some acid on his arm and gets burned. So basically, when you when you shoot the alien, their their blood, I guess, um, is is acidic and, and burns um, human skin. Anything. <laughs> well, that, yeah. that's, that's when they when they first enter the into the colony, and they're going through the you know the the walkways. They see there are spots where the metal has been burned through. It's like, oh, 
Yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so they finally get out because Ripley is just like, we need to fucking help them and takes control of this Batmobile and just like bursts through the walls and they all climb in. This scene in particular, I mean, there's a lot of miniature work in this movie, but this scene is really a credit to, um, is it Industrial Light and Magic who did this? Stan Winston. Well, he, he did the creature effects. Oh. I think ILM might have done the miniatures. But yeah. it, I think it was the same company who did Terminator, which, again, was just fantastic miniature work. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, like, aside from just, like, little tiny things that you probably wouldn't even notice until the movie was remastered, uh, like, there's no, there's almost no way of telling me these are miniatures. Yeah. I, I actually didn't even know that until you just said it. Oh, well, there you, there you go. It's funny because I was reading something earlier, and it was talking about how James Cameron was hired as a relative unknown after his movies the terminator and rambo i was like virtually unknown after those two movies like i don't i don't i don't know that the terminator was all that popular right yeah like right off the bat i think it was kind of a a slow start uh so where was i um oh so there there's a couple people who are still alive they're um Whatever they're tracking them on, tracking them with on the computer shows that they're still alive. And, you know, Ripley is just like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, the, the aliens want to keep you alive because they want to put you in a cocoon and then impregnate your face. And, um, <laughs> fuck your face. They want to fuck your face. The face fuckers. So she basically says, you know, they're fucked. Let's just get out of here. And Hicks is like, no, no, we're, we're going to go save them. But then this, xenomorph shows up and kills the pilots and uh crashes the ship into the station yep so our and everybody's just like oh no oh, that's <laughs> that's not good you don't want to see that so our remaining survivors uh barricade themselves inside the colony the whole um station is is gone and this is, this is when Bill Paxton utters the famous line of game over, man, game over. Um, I guess I forgot to mention, they find this little girl in the ship. Um, they, they see something on one of their meters and they think it's an alien. So they're tracking it. And it ends up being this little girl whose name is Rebecca, but prefers to go by Newt. Why not? <laughs> so I think at this point it's Hicks. Well, there's still quite a few of them, actually that barricade themselves in the, in the colony, um, including Lance Henriksen, who plays Bishop, who is a artificial person. <laughs> Cause he couldn't use the word Android. They say Android though. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. Like when they're first, when he's first introduced, they call him an Android and he's like, I prefer the term artificial human. Right. Well, yeah, it's PC it's future. <laughs> future. Everything's PC. Yeah. But so, um, Ripley finds out that Burke has, he's behind all of this. It wasn't a military mission. It wasn't anything like that. Burke was behind it because he wanted to take the eggs and sell them for millions of dollars. Well, they wanted, so Waylon Yutani wanted the eggs 
to research the creatures to use them as a biological weapon. Right. Yeah. And this, yeah, uh, that all comes out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, um, before she can tell the rest of the, the crew about it, Bishop tells him that the, um, not the station, the colony is, is like destroyed and is, is basically going to explode. Right. Cause at first they thought they had 17 days was what they said it would take for a rescue mission. And Bill Paxton just like, we won't make it 17 hours, man. But now I think they said they have like hours. Like does he give an exact timeline? I don't know. Um, I, th- I want to say five hours, but I don't remember if that's right or not. Yeah, so they, they basically have hours until this thing explodes and, and kills everyone. So, um, uh, uh, Bishop, Lance Hendrickson, he agrees to take the ship into this this station, the, the cooling station, and, and stop it, basically. Um, he's the only one that will agree to it because he's an artificial person. Yeah, fuck it. Uh, you may remember there was an artificial person on the first ship that on the Nostromo that killed a bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yes, Ripley pointed out her, her qualms with this. And I, I love how they just like kind of sweep it away by Lance Hendrickson being like, well, was it an older model? Mm-hmm. Our, our new, um, what does he say? Like our new, uh, newer models something about um like empathy receptors or something like that Um, (laughs) basically says you know the new software update won't let that happen basically (laughs) but so yeah he he agrees to go into into the ship and try and um save you know everyone but so ripley and newt uh they they take a nap and they wake up and they're the they're in the room with the face huggers who have now been released, and they're they're trying to you know bang on the walls and get someone to help them. And the only way they can get someone to help is finally Ripley sets off the fire alarms, and that alerts the Marines to what's going on. And they come in and, and blast the face huggers before they can fuck anybody's just, faces. Just blasting, blasting away. <laughs> so I start blasting. Um. So they, again, they have these, you know, trackers and they see these aliens coming and Bill Paxson's counting it down. He says, you know, they're, they're 10 meters away, nine meters away, eight, seven. And finally Ripley's just like, there's not seven meters in this room. Like, are you sure you're reading that thing right? And he goes, yeah, I know. I know that it's right. And the aliens are actually above them. And then they burst through the ceiling they kill off one guy. They take Paxton. They, um, I guess later Hicks gets uh, injured because they, Hicks and Ripley go in an elevator and he, as alien, like bursts, you know, catches the door like a person who's running late for work. <laughs> That's the close button. <laughs> Ooh, fancy. And he blasts it, and then the, he gets the blood on him. Um, 
during this, Newt gets lost. She falls down a laundry chute or something. Like a dumb asshole. Stupid little kid. <laughs> kids are fucking useless in situations. Fucking like stupid kids. They can't defend themselves, and there's a liability for everybody else. Yeah. But so Ripley takes Hicks to the ship where Bishop is and then goes back for Newt. She's like, I know she's still alive. I got to save her. And I think there's like 10 minutes left or something. 14. There's 14 minutes left. And so she runs back in and it it must be in real time because this scene takes at least 14 minutes. (laughs) But she is able to track down Newt and then they come across the Queenomorph. It's this big alien with like a big thing coming out of the top of her head that's got like plates on it and stuff, and a big birthing sack coming out the back that's like pooping out eggs. And I love Ripley just like looks at it and just like, what do you think of this? And just torches one of the <laughs> eggs. And the alien's like, I don't like that very much at all. Don't do that again. And she's like, oh, yeah? Well, what about this? It just torches another one. It's like she's fucking taunting this, this <laughs> huge alien. But then she just blasts all the eggs and runs. And the queen of morph rips off her birthing sack and starts chasing her. And she comes out of the elevator and the ship is gone. They fucking left her. Or so you think. And she's very upset because she never trusted Bishop. That's true. She didn't. Because he was an artificial person. Right. But then suddenly the ship rises up from behind the platform, like from Back to the Future 2. <laughs> Her and Newt get in and they, they fly away. And they get back and you find out that the queen actually st- stowed away in their landing gear. And so the queen rips Bishop in half pretty good effect there oh yeah they, they they really spared no expense on this movie i mean there's no halfway with stan winston like yeah he went whole hog on everything and i like that um bishop had like tubes and stuff coming out of his torso that looked like intestines but mm-hmm. they were clearly like industrial um ripley gets the big giant jeff bezos suit that everyone's seen <laughs> Um, made me think of community with the Halloween episode. <laughs> Why did I think this would work? <laughs> but she's able to put the queen in the, um, so she says, get away from her. You bitch. Yeah. Puts the queen in the airlock and then sends her out into space. Just like the first movie. Just like the first movie. If it worked once. It works twice. That's right. And then Ripley Newt, Hicks and uh, Bishop all go back into hypersleep. Ready for their next mission. (laughs) Next adventure. Their next adventure. (laughs) Which ended up with everybody dead on a planet. Yep. Except for Ripley. Yep. You've seen seen Alien 3, right? I think so. It was terrible. (laughs) It was so bad. People always say the fourth one, Resurrection. No. Resurrection. I don't know. The fourth, you always say the fourth one is the worst one. Was like, I think you need to watch the third one again, bud. Yeah, Resurrection was the fourth one. Okay. <clears throat> That's one of those movies where the director's like, well, it's not my vision. It's like, okay. Okay. 
Like, yeah, I'm sure the fucking extra 10 minutes you would have put into the movie would have made a real big difference. Yeah, really? Yeah, in the the opening scene of of Alien 3, find out that Hicks and Newt and presumably Bishop are all fucking dead because the ship crashed on a planet. It's like, cool. But Ripley somehow survived. Yeah. Because she's just a badass. Uh, yeah that's one thing i i, I appreciate about you know both this and the and the first movie is that ripley is not just like she's not you know some sex symbol who takes charge when the moment calls for it or um you know or, or hey that's pretty badass for a chick like no she's she's just a badass yeah yeah and that's that's very uh james cameron especially early on like this i mean same thing in the terminator you know, sarah yeah. Con- sarah connor and Ellen Ripley are like two peas in a pod. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you do get Sigourney Weaver in the tiny underwear again, but. Right. But no butt crack this time. No, no butt crack. <laughs> um, I feel like I am in a minority here that I insist, like I will die on this hill saying this is leaps and bounds better than alien like is that an unpopular opinion huh is that an unpopular opinion i think it's fairly unpopular i mean maybe not like you know where there's like the super majority who loves the first one more i think it's maybe a little more you know, evenly divided, but I think it's still a minority people, people out there who who say the first one is so much better. And it's like, a lot of it is like, you know, they say the first one's better because it's more of a horror than this one. This is more of a sci-fi action film. Yeah. Which is true. It's true. But I don't, I don't care. (laughs) Like that doesn't make it a better movie. Right. Uh, and I've I've never been a Ridley Scott fan. I always thought he was so pretentious and up his own ass. And this is like uh, Alien was was no, uh, it, it was nothing different. Like that was just typical Ridley Scott, just being so self indulgent. Yeah. Um, and it just got worse with his you know as his career went on. You know, fucking Blade Runner. I can't even. I can't sit through that movie. Um. And then if you've seen like, you know, Alien Covenant and um, Prometheus, that's that's what I was trying to think of, Prometheus. Um, those movies are just fucking unwatchable, if you ask me. So interestingly, interestingly enough, on Rotten Tomatoes, Alien has a 98% tomato meter score, 94% audience score. Aliens has a 98% tomato meter score, 94% audience score. Interesting. So they're exactly the same. I'll be. It does, like, they have a ranking and it shows Alien is number one and Aliens is number two. Hmm. I don't know how they come up with that if they have the same scores, but. Well, I mean, those are aggregates. Maybe just the differences just razor thin. Yeah. And um, then Aliens versus Predator Requiem way down at the bottom with 12%. Oh, God. Those movies are so Requiem was particularly bad, but Alien vs. Predator was just, just terrible. Um, 
Anyway, yeah, so I've always said that this movie was better. It had a better story. It had better characters. It definitely has better characters. Um, I mean, it's got Bill Paxton. <laughs> well, yeah. That instantly makes, like, that, that gives you a half a percentage point right there. <laughs> um, and, you know, better effects. And just like, there is no, I will always tell you that James Cameron is a better filmmaker than Ridley Scott. Like, without question. Um, and th- that, that just plays off in spades in this movie. I think this is one of, I think this is James Cameron's second best film. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, after Avatar Way of Water, yeah, totally. <laughs> no, of course, Terminator 2 is his film, is his best film. Uh, movie's just perfect. <laughs> like, like, I can nitpick so many different movies, and that one is just perfect. I can't think of a single thing I would change about it. Um. Yeah, what do you, what do you what do you think? Um, I mean, my like, I, I I think this one's better, but I don't think it's that big a difference, as it sounds like you do. Um, but yeah, I do think this one is better. I think the characters are better. I think the characters are more engaging. Um, and I just I think the 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 story overall is um is more fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you. I think Cameron is, is a much better filmmaker than Ridley Scott. Um, yeah. My, my only real complaint is that it's so fucking long and there are definitely parts that I could see getting cut out and getting um, kind of streamlined to get it down. Maybe not to an hour and a half, but like an hour 45 or something. I can't believe there's an extended cut with another 17 minutes. I'm like, what the fuck is, was cut out? That, that... Well, one scene in particular that was cut out um, is one on LV-426 uh, that actually shows um, kind of when things start going to shit. Uh, it shows Newt and her family, um, and I think it's her dad gets attacked by a xenomorph. And so it's, it's kind of like the beginning of everything that just is kind of ambiguous. And again, it's like one of those things where it's like, you kind of have to try and put yourself in the head of somebody who's seeing this for the very first time without having any prior knowledge of it. And it's like, you know, okay, we lost communication with this colony. We don't know what's going on, but I mean, the movie's called aliens. So, you know, something's going on, Sure, but you don't know exactly what, when you have that scene, you see, this family get attacked, you know immediately what's going on. Yeah. Whereas, you know, say, okay, we lost communication with this colony. We need to go down there and find out what's going on. And it's in, you know, in another 15, 20 minutes of buildup before you actually see what the hell went, ha- you know, what the hell happened down there. Um, so it, it, you know, it's storytelling. I mean, I, I can see why it was cut. I can always, I can also see an argument for leaving it in, but I can also, I can see both sides, I guess. Yeah. Um, which one's better? I, I really couldn't decide, I, I think. But, um, 
No, I mean that that's that's always been James Cameron's strong suit is storytelling. Mm-hmm. That guy can put together a story I'd say like no other. Like he is like I'd call him like the Stephen King of of screenwriting, you know. Um just intricacies that nobody would think of. Yeah. Um and you know, even movies I don't like like Avatar that thing is so. Those things, movies are so packed full of detail. Mm-hmm. It's just it's indicative of his style, right? Um, but yeah, it, it, I can I can agree with you that I and his Aquaman was way better. <laughs> totally. Well, I mean, you put Vinny Chase in a movie. It's, well, that's true. It's yeah, be a winner. It's, it's instant gold, <laughs> except for Medellin, of course. Right. Well, that's not James Cameron. Well, no, it was Billy Walsh. <laughs> Billy Walsh's hack. <laughs> Willie Balls. <laughs> anyway, um, no, I, I I love this movie. Uh, I, I probably watch it at least once. For, I don't know every couple of years. Um, yeah, I, it doesn't bother me that it's less horror than Alien. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, and, and maybe it's because you know. This was movie was or this franchise was already up to Alien Three, you know when I started like kind of like watching and engaging with movies, so I didn't have the experience of it being a solo film that was a, like a space horror, so I didn't know it that way. It's like I never really thought about this being less horror than the first until today, mm-hmm. because this is the first time I've watched it like for the show. Yeah, and been like, oh, this doesn't really have that much horror in it. Yeah, that's not to say that it's not it's still terrifying. It's, yeah, it's still a terrifying <laughs> scenario. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's the xenomorphs when they were still live action before they just CGI'd everything. Those things were creepy as fuck. Oh yeah, those the suit actors got his little mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like the scene when um, you're talking about when they're in the. In, I don't know if it's a, just a storage room or if it's the, the medical bay or something. They're locked in a room and, you know, Hicks or um, not Hicks. What the hell is his name? Hudson. Hudson uh, is, um, you know, he's seeing that they're, they're in the room, but, you know, obviously they're not. And I think it's Hicks that pokes his head up into the, yeah. into the, in the ducts. And you can see them all crawling down that ductway. Yeah. There's That's like, so fucking creepy. There's like 15 of them or something. Yeah. Yeah, and also like the the I first poop, when they I poop myself, <laughs> a little poop. Eh? When they um, when they first find Newt, like that scene takes a while because they're like you know kind of creeping down the hall, and the the sound effect of this tracker thing is just like so off putting. Yeah, and it's just like getting you know faster and faster the closer they get, and so it, like that's it's a very tense moment. Mm-hmm. Um. I liked that it was, uh, you know, it's funny. This movie suffers from uh, being an old movie that takes place in the future. Mm-hmm. Because just like the technology is just dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I remember there when uh, they're looking at the um, schematics of the colony and they're doing it on this big, which just looks like a big microfiche screen. <laughs> and whereas, you know, today it would have been on like a, like a touch screen. You know, like a big flat yeah, like touch a big screen. giant thing on the wall. Yeah, 
Uh, or, you know, their monitors are all CRTs. Yeah, like the thing that she puts his card into that brings up, it looks like one of those like portable TVs that's like, you know, it's three feet long with yeah. the handle on top. Like that's what it looks like. Well, that's probably what it was. <laughs> yeah. it was just a retrofitted one. You know, they, I mean, that's what they do with like Star Wars and shit. They literally took a bunch of garbage and made them into spaceships. Yeah. Um, anyway. Also to that same point, like there's a couple parts where the effects are like, like it's clearly like her standing in front of a screen and like the, you know, whatever's on the screen is not high def. And so it looks like she's standing in front of a movie screen. Yeah. Yeah. Rotoscoping. Um, that but was, you know, I'm not going to fault it for that. Cause it, that's a sign of the times. Like that's not, yeah, that, that was early age green screen before they had green screen. Right. They, they would, somebody would literally, I mean, they'd film the scene with the character. Um, and they, they'd probably film it in front of like, it's just a flat background. So it was easier to fix, but somebody would literally go in to the actual film and paint out the background. It's wild. And then put that, you know, put the, sh- you know, the ship or whatever behind it and cut a new film with that. It's, it's called rotoscoping and it's, it's still done today, but it's all digital. Yeah. And that, that's an art form that's like, I don't know if it even exists anymore. I don't I know if there's it. anybody out there can still do like old school rotoscoping. But anyway. Um, yeah, it's a great, great film. Like I... I don't have any complaints. Like I, I love this movie. I mean, aside from the length, but that's just because long movies are hard to sit through. Yeah. I mean, it's iconic. Um, I f- honestly, I feel like this is one of those movies where people think of Alien, but they're probably really thinking of this. Yeah, like everyone says the you know Game Over Man quote. Yeah, yeah, like so much of the iconic Hell, stuff. It's in They Reach. Is it? Yeah, I don't remember that. Cheddar says it. That's uh that's not like that's bad uh not time management this movie came out in 83 86 86 and uh yeah they, so they, they stole it from cheddar <laughs> right anyway so um ocho eight yep I think I'm going to give this a nine. Nueve. Okay. So there we go. Good good stuff. Good enough. It's nice to watch, uh, you know, a couple of classics. Instead of, you know, new movies that could be dog shit or, or, or you know, or not. Right. Um we got a new alien movie coming out next year. Fede Alvarez. We'll see. Maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with everything with even though Fox, like that whole thing is, is done. With, with Disney, it, it's it's all done. But it seems like everything Fox related is still all fucked up. Yeah. But anyway, all right. 
So uh, we'll be back with you again in a couple weeks, guys. And uh, did you? Well, I guess we don't know what we're going to be talking about yet. But, nope. Um, you tell us. Go to patreon.com slash podcast. Sign up. Give us a dollar or more. And uh, more, let us, more would be better. More is better. More better. And we, we like money. Let us know what you want us to review next next uh, episode. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you what I want to review next episode. But what? I, I don't know. It's a bluff. Oh. Thanks. You think I'm bluffing? You think I'm bluffing? Let's just finish this. Okay, sorry. Um, uh, so look out for that, guys. Exciting times. Yay. Yay. Uh, Taylor, in the meantime, where can people find us? They can find us at greatplotpodcast.com as well as greatplotfilmfest.com for all your film fest questions, needs, wants, desires, hopes, dreams. You can also find us on social media. We're Sexual on- fantasies. It's Sure. <laughs> You can find us on social media at Facebook, Instagram. Everything is Great Plot Podcast, except for Twitter, which is Grave underscore plot. And uh, I said Patreon. Use Spoutable. Yeah. It's got an Android app now. It does. It'll have an iOS app soon. Soon. Use that. Use it. We'll use it. Yeah. Once more people use it, we'll use it more. It's true. (laughs) Um, Is that it? I say everything. I think so. Film Fest? Film Fest, yeah. Oh, rate, review, and subscribe. Um, Give us five stars, and then just put something in the text box. It it doesn't matter what, but they give a little more weight to reviews that actually say something. So just, you know, tell us um, your your favorite kind of sandwich. Yeah. Say butts. Just just put butts Carlton. (laughs) Or trundle. We'll we'll know what it means. (laughs) All right, guys. So until we speak again... I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. And this has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside.